0: Oh. Uh. Good evening, good evening, good evening, ladies and gentlemen. In case you're wondering why I'm saying good evening, it's because we are coming to you late on this Monday. I was going to say February. I was going to say February 23rd. Did something happen significant on February 23rd in my life? I don't know, ladies and gentlemen, but that's not the point. Welcome, welcome to another edition of The C Report. We are coming to you live on this Monday, March 7th, 2022. And I hope that everyone is doing well out there as uh, we get ready to do a late night edition. Ah, oh, we're getting later and later, ladies and gentlemen, it feels like here. <laughs> now, I know if you listen to us over at the podcast, that uh, the times make absolutely no difference because you get to tune in whenever you please and at your leisure and at your pleasure. But for my live stream audience, man, this has got to be pretty rough, right? Anyways, I apologize for coming on so late tonight, guys. I had uh, I had errands to run this morning quite early. So uh, taking care of some business there. Very, very tired after uh, an early dinner. Trying to get stuff ready for the show tonight. Get stuff going. Energy dragging. Energy dragging. And uh been sitting here... For a few hours, uh, pulling stories and getting ready for the show tonight. And man, coffee finally kicked in about 9, 9.30. And I figured we can go live now, ladies and gentlemen. Because otherwise, I would have been quite the zombie hanging out with you guys. Or not at all. I was uh, I was struggling there for a minute uh, to uh, get myself going, <clears throat> as it were. Uh, But yeah, we won't do this. uh, Well, you know, I guess, you you know know what? The live audience that tunes in with us, they're going to tune in whether whether I'm on at uh, 5 in the afternoon or 10 at night. And pardon me, I absolutely appreciate all of you who join us live. But hey, that's why we also have the replays. That's why we also have our Rumble channel. We have our Foxhole channel. You know, we have our Clout Hub channel where you can catch the replays pretty much indefinitely. And uh, we opened up over at Odyssey as well. Have started slowly uploading op- episodes over there because it seems like they uh, they will, um, how you say, um, they will uh, archive episodes over there indefinitely as well. So, you know, we're always happy to have that as the situation. And then, uh, what else do we got here, guys? We also got uh, we also got um, uh, the podcast, of, of course. So, you know, I would encourage you guys to go check out that podcast. If you haven't already, subscribe for free, sign up. In fact, it's part of our housekeeping that we do here. Anchor.fm slash The Sea Report. Go and sign up for the free podcast. I've been told that this show is actually... A lot easier on the ears than it is on the eyes. So, you know what? You know, I have a face for radio, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Don't you forget it. Of course, um, uh, everyone over at the uh, podcast, well... They're already used to our uh, suave sounds of Mr. C, right? And if you are subscribing to us, because, of course, you can uh, you can get uh, the hold of this podcast and subscribe for free, follow it for free. But if you are subscribing uh, to us and you're making that monthly donation, uh, thank you so much. We can't do this without you. And uh, it is definitely appreciated. And then, of course... Uh, we also have uh, subscribers over at Twitch. I uh, I actually did um, uh, point you guys out uh, on our last episode because I never look at my Twitch dashboard. So uh, I was actually surprised. Deplore, Laura, thank you for subscribing at a monthly uh, tier one. Uh, we had another one in there as well. I said your name yesterday, but uh, you never come out to play in the chat. So I guess I just uh, had not <clears throat> realized, but uh, thank you again if you are subscribing to us over at uh, Twitch. Now, the other one's a Prime subscriber, so that's actually kind of cool. I mean, I don't know what that means in the world of Twitch, but I thank you for your support as well. Uh, And I will get your name out and ready for the next episode, I promise you. Uh, but again, thank you so much. Um, so yeah, so there we go with that. There's uh, the C-Report over at the podcast over at that. Now let's do another bit of housekeeping here. Uh, as some of y'all may be coming familiar, we are accepting, uh, we we have an open call for submissions for the patriotic uh, creative types out there, whether they're writers or artists, photographers. Uh, we're looking to put together an anthology of patriotic work, uh, poetry, nonfiction, articles, memoirs, memories, fiction, uh, polemics. Uh, um, when was your red pill moment? Actually, I think uh, we would really like to capture some of those, uh, some of those stories, uh, from the community out there abroad. <coughs> Anyone who'd like to, uh, participate and send in their work into this, it will come in, it'll come out into a print anthology that we'll publish, uh for that for those purposes uh for photographers and artists out there uh black and white or grayscale photography or artwork is preferred cuz we can't print it in full color cuz by gosh that would just be so expensive and then no one would be able to uh share in uh share in the uh the anthology uh that way at least you know uh, get a reasonably uh reasonably priced anthology for that but uh the c report at protonmail.com most definitely is, uh, the web address that you would want to, uh, throw that in, guys. Uh, so the C report at protonmail.com, and let me actually expand this, uh, little image here for you guys. If you are, uh, over at the podcast, you can't see this graphic call for submissions. We are looking for your patriotic America first poetry, nonfiction, memories, polemics, fiction, photography, and artwork to be presented in a special print anthology for Mr. CTV and Virgo Gray Press. Now, uh, Virgo Grey Press is the name of the publishing company that will be publishing this book. Uh, Myself and also uh, fellow foxholer Java uh, will be editing the selections. And uh, well, yeah, I mean, there it is in a nutshell for you guys. So uh, we got a publisher for it. Uh, We just need to fill those pages. And, uh, we'll also have a, uh, actually I take it back. We do have it available. Uh, if you head over to the dot we actually just relaunched our website yesterday. So you guys can go and check out what we got going on. Let me go ahead and expand that for you guys. So you can see it, uh, the C It's a little busy, but you know what? I like it like that. <clears throat> you get your news articles. We have our, the all American race to decertify. Who will be the first state to decertify? Right now we got Wisconsin in the lead, but I tell you what, Wisconsin and Arizona, those two, we'll, we'll have a story on Arizona tomorrow, and actually Georgia. You see our top three uh, states to decertify over here at the Sea Report, at least based on uh, what we uh, what we share in the news that we get, Wisconsin, Arizona, and Georgia. Those are our top three picks. Uh, coming in fourth place would be Pennsylvania, followed by New Hampshire, South Carolina, Texas, and Michigan, and dead last at number eight. But hey, these could change at any time because, uh, well, guys, you never know who's going to do what. And like I said, we'll be talking Arizona tomorrow. Uh, But let's look at this call for submissions, okay? So if you come over to thecereport.com and you click on this call for, it's the same graphic that we share on the podcast, Uh, you have a full list of our guidelines Uh, It says here patriotism, and I'm going to go ahead and expand that a little bit. Patriotism, what does it mean to be patriotic? What are your experiences as a patriot or with patriotism? How does patriotism work in society and or the globe? How does patriotism make one feel? Is it important? Why or why not? Tell us your story. Guidelines. Send one to four poems. No length restrictions. Though longer pieces will be reviewed on a case by case. Uh, Send short stories, memoirs, prose. Limit of 3,000 words. Of course, that's negotiable. Send articles, nonfiction, polemics, or opinion pieces. Limit of 5,000 Words of course that's negotiable. Send writing as an attachment in a .dot document format. Black and white art, artwork, drawings, paintings, photography is being accepted. Attached in an email as a .dot JPEG file at 300 DPI or higher. Send previously unpublished work. Simultaneous submissions to this project are prohibited. Include your name, email address, and physical mailing address. Now, the physical mailing address is for verification purposes only. Include a brief biography in the third person. Limit 100 words. A resume is not necessary. And payment or compensation for those whose work is accepted into this anthology is to be determined. Submissions may be formatted by the editors to fit the layout of the publication. Any edits made to the text will be submitted to the author for final approval prior to publication. Email your work to the C report at protonmail.com, subject line, Patriot Anthology. So if you want to get your hands on uh, this... uh these submission guidelines, then uh, make sure you head over to TheSeaReport.com. And I think I'm gonna keep on showing you guys a little bit about TheSeaReport.com since we just relaunched it. We also have articles up here as well U.S. Pentagon BioLabs in Ukraine, What Will Russia Find? That one's from Veterans Today. Actually, this article has been all over the place, guys. So if you're interested in that, uh, we published Putin's uh, speech when he addressed the nation about his military operation in Ukraine. Our letter to decertify, right? Uh, We also have resources for the Sea Report uh, that are posting. We're catching up on that. Like For example, uh, the Sea Report, episode number 243. Uh, You got a picture of Joe Rogan there, so you're probably wondering what the heck is going on here. Well, if you click on that, You will get, uh, we're working on this right here. Now, I upgraded my website, so this way I should be able to play video links from anywhere that I want, and I'm not able to at this point. So we'll figure that out for you guys. But here are your reference articles for this episode. Newsmask Sue Smartmatic. Joe Rogan censors himself. You click on the links to the article to get what you want. Electoral College Count Act. We were talking about that in this episode. Trader Mike Pence, an article based on that. Uh, and that's kind of one of them right there. So let's go ahead and go. You can click on the resources page also right up here at the top. Now, this is under construction. So please give us some time, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, we've got a lot of uh, shows. You see, we got uh, starting with episode number 241 on down up to tonight's episode. So I'm quickly trying to get these posted, guys, for you all. If, in case you want to check out what articles I'm talking about, let's check out this one uh the Sea report episode number 241 Texas sham forensic audit South Carolina's election canvas deep state nato false flag planned and New Hampshire election audit round 2 so uh again uh this will eventually have the actual episode posted here as soon as i get uh with uh, my uh as soon as i get with my uh website um um uh host and see what's going on there cuz i paid for it so you know i need to be able to have it Uh, Reference articles, Wyndham, New Hampshire audit. So you got your articles there. North Carolina election fraud. So there's some articles about that there. South Carolina election canvas, Texas sham forensic audit and then video references also. So this is uh, that uh, State Department briefing uh, where where little little Ned, what's his name? Ned Price was like hammered by a a veteran uh, um, press agent. Uh, Controversy in Wyndham, so, you know, uh, doing the best I can here to give you guys the reference links, give you guys the sauce. And uh yeah, I think that's about it. I think I'll let you guys explore the rest of this website for yourself, the We got some ref- resources here, capital switchboard phone number, Senate website, and then also this here is their uh, their hearings scheduling and also the House of Representatives hearing scheduling cuz uh you know, if we're going to have hearings, it's you know, you can go there to figure out what they got coming up uh just some other stuff here guys you know we'll have a mr See in the dark page coming soon a lone star news page coming soon and then of course uh click on the little woke millie for a little surprise and then this here's your election integrity letter that shows you all of the uh all of the um representatives and senators who have signed up to either audit or to certify join our email list so you can keep up to date with us and you can get uh, beat big tech and then, of course, some aggregated news for you guys, some stuff that we might not be able to cover on the website itself. So there you go, guys. TheSeaReport.com. It's because of you guys I'm able to do all of this stuff, and uh, I, I just love to uh, do this. So, uh, well, I hope that uh, I hope that is satisfactory for the viewers and the listeners of this show out there. Ladies and gentlemen, TheSeaReport.com. Go check it out. Uh, let me dip into chat room real quick before we get underway. Of course, we are live at Twitch, Rumble, and Clout Hub, as well as always, the foxhole and, uh, foxhole and pill.net. Akira is in the house. Akira says, uh, Mr. C, I sent you a DM several days ago. You were looking for artists. i be... Ooh, cool, Akira. Awesome. Well, I'll have you know, Akira, that I uh, checked my email. Actually, let's let's pop it open. <laughs> Did you... Akira, 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 Akira. I don't see you, Akira. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Did you send me an email through uh, If you sent it through pill.net, I should see it. I've actually been pretty good about keeping up with that, but I don't see you in my uh, I don't see you in my inbox at at uh, pill, if that's what you're talking about, Akira. Or are you? No, I don't see you here. Okay Kira, uh either send it again or if you sent it through my uh creport.com email, uh, I'll go check on that one for sure. But thanks for uh thanks for getting me uh, some notification on that Kira. I'll definitely respond to you. Good evening. Love Warns, Miss Red Panda. It's good to see you, ma'am. It's been a, it's been a minute since we've seen you. I hope you're doing well and you're staying warm because when I went to go run my errands today this morning here in Texas, yeah, I was like I didn't realize it was kind of chilly out and uh you know i was like i was afraid i was getting sick um i don't think i am and you know, interesting enough i had a doctor's appointment everything's going fine except apparently my blood pressure has been consistently high so i need to uh either stop smoking or start uh, walking more but uh, you know we're not going to worry with that right now right uh on good evening thank you for donating 117 gold pills sir good to have you in the audience uh howdy uh pill by the rabbit how you doing today and uh, oh, yay! Akira says that uh, they uh, subscribed on their iPhone to uh, to the Sea Report. Thanks for doing that. Uh, we're, we got demonetized over at our uh, podcast, so we have to pass a certain threshold of listeners in order for us to be monetized again. So uh, the more of you guys subscribe and the more of you guys tune in uh, or, you know, even if it's listening uh, you know, once a week or so um, or just the episodes that you miss live uh, definitely helps us out here at the Sea Report so we can get our audience numbers up. One, two, three, SKG. Good evening, ma'am. And thank you for go- donating the can. Bubbles, it's good to see you all right guys excellent 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 now i i i hope this doesn't uh, i hope this doesn't spoil it for anyone but uh i would i would say that i actually i haven't talked to java about this but um i'm i'm not too particular about publishing artwork from anonymous avatars so if you are going to be sending your work to the uh, publication uh you might want to consider that um I'm not, I'll have to get with Java on that, but I, I'm not really for, I'm not really pro publishing pen names and avatar names and anonymous names. I want the real deal. Holy field. Now's the time to stand up. Don't be a fair weather Patriot guys, put your name on, sign that document like John Hancock. And you know, if you, if you want to send your work over to the publication uh, well, I want to see some real names there, guys. I don't want to see, uh, I don't want to see, uh, any, uh, any, uh, but that's just me. I'll get with Java and see what he says, but, um, I don't know, guys. Okay, cool. All right. Uh, let's go ahead and jump into tonight's episode, ladies and gentlemen. I actually have a lot of, uh. Stuff to cover as late as we are on tonight. uh, We have a pretty poignant show. Uh, We are going to be doing some Russia talk, guys. So, uh, well, at least you got the heads up. And then you also are going to see some uh, swamp creatures on tonight's episode. So there's another heads up there, guys. Uh, Trump leads at the Sea Report. So let's see what President Trump has to say by way of his statement. We got a statement coming from the pres today. And it's about Bill Barr. Bill Barr, the B-2 bomber, big old Belugawell Bill Barr. The, uh, I wish there was a B, the betrayer. There we go. I need another B for that consonance. Bill Barr, the B-2 bomber, betraying Belugawell Billy Barr. Uh, Now, according to President Trump's statement, it says, Bill Barr said, and just reiterated, that the Trump campaign was spied on, but did nothing about it. He then said... Mail-in ballots are prone to fraud and did nothing to catch the fraudsters. He was so afraid of being impeached that he went to the other side and they left him alone. Barr was a bushy who never had the energy or competence to do the job that he was in place to do. Yeah, never had the energy or the competence. You know, I had a lot of faith in Bill Barr. When he first came out, you know, it wasn't until about December of 2020, where I was just like, this man is a traitor. And he never had any intentions of uh, really going the whole way. With President Trump, with going the distance, right? You know now, President Trump says he he says it's because uh, Bill Barr was afraid of being impeached. You know, and I just I don't really agree with that. I don't think Bill Barr was afraid of being impeached. I think he was going back to his roots. You know what I mean? He was going back to his daddy's roots. He was, I mean, uh, he he was CIA. All this stuff with Bill Barr, and you know, it's very interesting too, uh, because there was a photo. That I was going to put on here. It is right here, guys. Since President Trump mentioned that Bill Barr's a bushy. Well, there is a young Bill Barr with none other than who? That's right. The pedophile Nazi grandchild himself. Or is it uh, it was son of a Nazi, right? that, That ruthless son of a Nazi. But yeah, there's young Bill Barr. Now, uh, Bill Barr, I mean, he's Bush administration all the way, guys. Bush administration all the way. Daddy Bush, right? The pedo Bush, right? And, uh, you know, it, his work with, uh, with his, his legal viewpoints, right? Those went to, uh, those went to help with, uh, what, what was it? Was it in uh, Central America? Was it Nicaragua? Where we went in there and we basically uh, kidnapped the president because of a legal note that uh, Bill Barr had written and the Bush administration felt uh, confident that they could do what they want. Yeah, Bill Barr. For shame, for shame, Bill Barr. We knew all along, sir. Well, I mean, if we'd listened to our gut. Of course, I didn't know much about Bill Barr when he hit the scene. Uh, You know, it took a little bit of digging into his past and the work that he's done uh, to kind of figure out uh, whether or not this man was scared. But really, I had no sense. uh, I had all confidence in this man until about December of 2020. And that's when I dropped it. I was like, uh, I was hearing things about him uh, assisting the the incoming Biden junta, you know, in uh, assisting them in... um, writing up all of his 40 executive orders and stuff like that. So yeah, I stopped stopped singing the praises of Bill Barr around that time now. Interesting enough, uh, President Trump actually had a letter about Bill Barr that he wrote to a Mr. Lester Holt. Dear Mr. Holt or Dear Lester, I don't know what's up with this uh, crossing out of the Mr. Holt. I guess they're on a first name basis, but this is for the National Broadcasting Company. Uh, that President Trump had written. So let's see what President Trump had to say about Bill Barr. We're kind of we're kind of going to spend a little bit of time with some uh, some of the uh, the upper echelon or middle upper echelon swamp creatures. I would put I would put uh, Bill Barr probably about middle echelon swamp creature. We're getting to the higher ones in just a minute though because we're going to talk a little bit about Durham and the Clinton crime syndicate. Uh, we cannot let these people slip out of our grasp, ladies and gentlemen. We cannot let them slip out of our grasp, just like uh, President Trump is reminding the world again that Hillary Clinton's campaign spied on a duly elected president. But uh, we're getting caught up with a whole bunch of other things like Russia, which guilty, we will be talking about Russia uh, after uh, towards the end of the show here. We're going to be talking a lot about Russia tonight, guys. So uh, uh, buckle up, you know, buckle up, buttercups. All right, let's see what President Trump had to say about Mr. Bill Barr to uh, Mr. Lester Holt here. Lester Holt! I don't know if anyone gets that reference, but anyways, it says, Bill Barr cares more about being accepted by the corrupt Washington media and elite than serving the American people. He was slow, lethargic, and I realized early on that he never had what it takes to make a great attorney general. When the radical left Democrats threatened to hold him in contempt and even worse to impeach him, he became virtually worthless to law and order and election integrity. They broke him just like a trainer breaks a horse. Despite massive amounts of evidence with far more produ- uh, far more produced after his leaving, he refused to go after the fraud and irregularities that had so openly taken place In the 2020 presidential election, it was sad to watch when he stated that there was no fraud in the election. It was a virtual joke to anyone that knew what had actually gone on in particular within the swing states. Enclosed is yesterday's Wisconsin report talking of widespread corruption, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Georgia, Arizona, and many other states are now studying the disgraceful events that took place. In fact, William McSwain, the United States Attorney for the Eastern District of Pennsylvania, stated that Barr did not allow him to look into the many corrupt things that happened in Philadelphia. Now, that was something else that came out in December of 2020. When you had the hearings by uh, uh, Trump's um, um, lawyer team, as well as Rudy Giuliani, going into six different areas and holding these, uh, these uh, election fraud hearings, of course, the judges threw all of these out. They dismissed the cases, so none of the evidence was ever submitted to court, which is the number one factoid that allows the left and the media and all of these pundits to say that there was no election fraud. They never found any evidence. Well, of course they didn't have evidence because the judge dismissed it without looking at the evidence and so since it wasn't submitted into the court of law this little uh this little uh, lie of omission can flourish in the la la land of the uh of the lefty libtards and all of those individuals guys because technically speaking on a technicality they ain't lying but they're lying ladies and gentlemen and we know that they are now it was around this time that you had this mcswain fellow from Pennsylvania, uh, he wanted to, he wanted to look into the fraud and Bill Barr stopped him dead in his tracks. We read a letter from this guys, uh, months and months ago. Uh, but that is another factoid. Now that was another reason why Mr. C lost faith in Bill Barr. Okay. Aside from all the other rumors I'd heard about and, uh, him doing nothing, basically just, uh, moving, moving slower than a turtle after visiting a buffet. It's what Bill Barr was doing. Like, uh, he was basically just resting on his stomach the entire time. Not fat jokes. Not fat jokes at all, ladies and gentlemen. I don't care if Bill Barr is the B-2 bomber, big old Belugawell Billy Barr betrayer. Now, it says here, uh, Bill Barr was a big disappointment to me as Attorney General. He was afraid to act and usually did not. Even the Mueller investigation, which came out with a finding of no collusion should have gone much faster, especially after knowing all of the information that was available and already at their disposal. As everyone now knows, my campaign was spied on, and Bill Barr did nothing about it. Comey, McCabe, the two lovers, and everyone all the way up and down knew what was happening. But Barr did not want to upset the apple cart, because then what else would he eat? Uh, President Trump did not say that. For those of you who are listening, I said that. I would imagine that if the book is anything like him, it will be long and slow and very boring. I made many great appointments during my administration, and we accomplished more than most administrations could even dream of. But Bill Barr was not one of my better picks. He crumbled under the pressure and bowed to the radical left, and that is not acceptable. Now he is groveling to the media, hoping to gain acceptance that he does not deserve. All right. More pages from President... He wrote a long love letter to Lester Holt about Bill Barr. It goes on to say, On your question regarding the Department of Justice and the President of the United States... As President of the United States, I am the Chief Executive, who is responsible for the department heads, which includes the Attorney General. When I saw that the Department of Justice was not doing their job, I have every legal right to ask them to do so, in accordance with the law and the Constitution. That has nothing to do with my personal legal interests. Antifa, Black Lives Matter, and so many others have gotten away with literally murder, where others have been, in many cases, persecuted not prosecuted, persecuted. It is now a fact that my campaign was spied on. This is treason that has now been confirmed by John Durham. uh, Bill Barr was unwilling or unable to act in a timely fashion on this and other important matters. With respect to prosecuting political rivals, it was just the opposite Despite the many crimes committed by the Biden family, I did not push Barr to go after them. While While the things done were legendarily corrupt, I thought it would be inappropriate for me to get personally involved. So far, John Durham has found explosive evidence about how unfairly I was treated as president during the 2016 election and, unrelated except for the people doing it, the 2020 election. If people were corrupting the elections of our country, yes, I believe that that evidence should have been given to the public prior to the next election, as opposed to after it. The public should know the facts before voting. As it turned out, they spied in 2016 and, if possible, did far worse than that in 2020. They rigged the election. See Time Magazine cover story. Ah, you know which one he's talking about, right, guys? He is talking about the Time Magazine story that was published back in February of 2021, where uh, they admitted to doing all of this. Why they admitted to doing all of this, I don't know, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, Was it a piece of hubris? Was it a piece of, we want to make sure that everyone knows who exactly saved our country from president trump is it because they wanted everyone to know who the glory hole pigeon should have been i don't know i don't know but they did it and they published the story in time magazine and well uh, the afl cio had a lot to do with this big business and big corporations had a lot to do with this mark zuckerberg obviously had a lot to do with this and all of the little rhinos and all of the democrat Liptards, all of them were involved in this entire, you know, and so it goes a lot deeper. Now we're finding out exactly how they stole the selection through fraud. We're finding that out uh, every day, more and more information is coming out, okay? To the point that we have basically Arizona and we have Wisconsin fighting over who's gonna decertify first, okay? This is exciting times right here, guys. This is history that we're watching unfold and uh and and but the thing about it is that they could not have gotten away with this if it were not for bigger interests such as big corporations big business and big uh big um uh oh no, <laughs> uh, otherwise known as what um um these uh these these um unions right big unions right so with all that said, guys, there's another hint. He's dropping another Easter egg here ahead of uh, ahead of Easter for people to go and kind of fish out for themselves. And we covered that article when it dropped back in the day. Now, it says here they weren't going to let 2016 happen again. The proof is massive, conclusive and indisputable. Now, on your question regarding events of June 2020, Barr's lack of energy, drive, and curiosity led me to say things to him that should have never even been necessary. But he was so lazy and cowardly, he just never quit. He just never quite understood what was going on. He did not want to stand up to the radical left Democrats because he thought the repercussions to him personally in the form of their threatened impeachment would be too severe in In other words, Bill Barr was a coward. The riots were all taking place in Democrat-run and controlled areas. I felt they were the responsibility of the Democrats, and I gave those Democrats the opportunity to properly take care of the various situations. After a period of time, however, I would then bring in the National Guard or military when it was clear that the Democrats were not able or willing to control the ridiculousness that was taking place. I did get involved in Portland and Minneapolis and was ready to get involved in Seattle, but when they found out I was sending in troops, the Antifa takeover of a portion of the city ended rapidly. The troops were ready to go in. Now, on your question regarding the statement on the December 1, 2020 meeting, it is incorrect and a total fabrication by Bill Barr. I never said, you must hate Trump. Rather, I said, if you did not see corruption in the election, of which so much has already been revealed and massive amounts up until this date, then you are not capable of being Attorney General. Oh, goodness, President Trump, did you really put then instead of then? Anyways, okay. Uh, sorry, guys. Uh, word Nazi here. Oh, better not say I'm a word Nazi because then they're going to be like, oh, he claimed he's a Nazi. Okay. Okay. All right. It's okay, President Trump. We all make mistakes. You don't have the energy or backbone to stand up to the radical left. Please give me your letter of resignation. All right. We got one final page of glory here from President Trump about this entire situation. Now, uh, he goes goes into the William McSwain uh, situation here. So it says... uh, William McSwain, the United States attorney in Pennsylvania, in the enclosed letter states that Barr would not let him investigate the fraudulent election. He wrote, On election day and afterwards, our offices received various allegations of voter fraud and election irregularities. As part of my responsibilities as U.S. attorney, I wanted to be transparent with the public and, of course, investigate fully any allegations. Attorney General Barr, however, instructed me not to make any public statements or put out any press releases regarding possible election irregularities. I was also given a directive to pass along serious allegations to the state attorney general for investigation, the same state attorney general who had already declared that you could not win. I believe this is true with other U.S. attorneys also. Barr was petrified of the radical left and what they would do to him. More evidence of fraud just this week is coming out of Wisconsin. The election was not totally, I mean, the election was totally corrupt, and we had no one fighting this corruption because Bill Barr did not have the courage to do so. The man making statements in this fake book or in the interview with NBC News is not the same man who was asked for the job of Attorney General or wrote his glowing letter of resignation. On your question regarding the events of January 6, 2021, I was President of the United States and was asked to make a speech on January 6th. I went to the site, made my speech, and returned to the White House. Most importantly, however, I strongly suggested that 10,000 troops of our National Guard be brought to D.C., the Capitol, and Capitol Building three days before January 6th. Others in attendance at the meeting estimate the number was between 10,000 and 20,000 troops. The offer was relayed to Nancy Piglosi and the mayor of D.C. They were not interested in having the troops in Washington because they did not like the look. If they had taken my offer, there would have been no January 6th as we know it. We would have had a minimum of 10,000 troops encircling the Capitol and nobody would have gotten near it or them. Additionally, during my speech, I made several statements, including, I know that everyone here will soon be marching over to the Capitol building to peacefully and patriotically make your voices heard today. And later I tweeted, I am asking for everyone at the U.S. Capitol to remain peaceful. No violence. Remember, we are the party of law and order. Respect the law and our great men and women in blue. Thank you. Now, the witch hunt continues with Shifty Adam Schiff, Rhino Liz Cheney, and others on what I call the Unselect Committee. In the long run, the American people will win. Signed, Donald J. Trump. What a letter, ladies and gentlemen. What a letter indeed. So there you have it, guys. That was uh, President Trump's letter to uh, Lester Holt right? About Bill Barr and these allegations. Now, check this, guys. Like, you know, I love to say it. Look at them child chompers. Oh, my goodness. Bill Barr, what have you been sharpening your wolf fangs on? This is uh, concerning, guys. Concerning, right? That's sharpened, okay? That's not natural, all right? I just say in here, or it's some kind of a, I don't know, tooth implant. I don't know what Bill Barr... I would not want to be in a dark room with you if I were a child. That's scary. Oh, goodness. Okay. All right, guys. So there's uh, President Trump's reaming of Bill Barr. Uh, he's straightening out the record on this uh, this new book of lies. I guess that Bill Barr has published. Bill Barr. The betraying B-2 bomber beluga well bastard, Bill Barr. Ladies and gentlemen, you, my friend... Well, you're not my friend for one, Bill Barr, but... Uh, <laughs> You've betrayed us all, and you betrayed this nation, Bill Barr. All right, guys, let's move on to some more swamp creatures. But first, let's not forget, we still got Durham out there, ladies and gentlemen. We got Durham out there. He's circling... He's circling uh, the boat there, I guess you could say. The boat of Bill Barr? No, just kidding. Not the boat of Bill Barr. But uh, new, new, uh, new issues are arising right now. As you all may remember, when it came to the case of Michael Sussman, uh, the former tech attorney that worked with Perkins Coie and served on uh, served the uh, served at the behest of the Clinton uh, campaign, uh, he had asked that his case be dismissed. Okay, so. This is this is what this story is about here, guys. This comes from the Epoch Times. Durham urges court not to dismiss charges against lawyer who hid ties to Clinton campaign. Let's see what they've got to say. Special Counsel John Durham on March fourth urged a federal judge not to dismiss a charge against a lawyer who lied to the FBI about representing Hillary Clinton's 2016 presidential campaign. Michael Sussman was representing the Clinton campaign when, in 2016, he passed along information to then-FBI General Counsel James Baker, James Baker of withholding cell phones fame. His lawyer says the documents raised national security concerns, while prosecutors described them as purportedly detailing a covert channel between a Russian bank and the business of Donald Trump, Clinton's rival at the time. Sussman was charged with lying to the FBI because he falsely told Baker he was not providing the allegations to the FBI FBI on behalf of any client, despite presenting the information on behalf of the Clinton campaign, prosecutors say. Sussman has pleaded not guilty to making a false statement to federal agents, In a filing in February, Sussman's lawyers moved to dismiss the charge, claiming their client did not make any false statement to the FBI, but even if he had, the false statement alleged in the indictment is immaterial as a matter of law. Allowing this case to go forward would risk criminalizing ordinary conduct, raise First Amendment concerns, dissuade honest citizens from coming forward with tips, and chill the advocacy of lawyers who interact with the government, the filing stated. The special counsel's unprecedented and unlawful overreach should not be countenanced, and the single count against Mr. Sussman should be dismissed. In its reply on March 4th, Durham's team asked the court not to follow the demand. The defendant's false statement to the FBI general counsel was plainly material because it misled the general counsel about, among other things, the critical fact that the defendant was disseminating highly explosive allegations about a then-presidential candidate on behalf of two specific clients, one of which was the opposing presidential campaign, their filing said. The defendant's efforts to mislead the FBI in this manner during the height of a presidential election season plainly could have influenced the FBI's decision-making in any number of ways. If the case proceeds to the trial, the government, uh, the government expects the evidence to prove that the FBI could have taken steps prior to initiating a full investigation into the matter, including an assessment and may have delayed a decision until after the 2016 election or ultimately declined to investigate the matter altogether. Had Sussman revealed he was working on behalf of clients, the FBI counsel and other FBI workers might have asked other questions, including whether those clients harbored biases or motives that might cast doubt on the reliability of the information, and the FBI would have likely conducted additional behind-the-scenes steps, database checks, case file searches, etc., to assess the defendant's potential motivations and those of his clients, the special counsel's office said. U.S. District Judge Beryl Howell, an Obama nominee overseeing the case, will now decide whether to dismiss the charges against Sussman. So what do you think is going to happen? You think uh, you think they're going to dismiss the charges? Do you think it's going to be just like the entire uh, Virginia Roberts-Jufri settles? And, uh, keeps Prince Andrew out of court. I'm still a little bit sour about that one, guys. I just, I can't, you know, with it. It's just, uh, it's terrible, ladies and gentlemen. It's terrible. But, uh, indeed, they're going to try and wriggle their way out of this. They're going to grease themselves up like a greasy bill bar and try and slip through our fingertips. They're going to try and slip through the fingers of the law, ladies and gentlemen, and you better believe, greased up Bill Barr that's going to be a slippery one, but now we got greased up Michael Sussman they're trying to get their way out of the skies, and we have to we have to keep we have to keep this awake and alive, really, y'all, because so many distractions out there we can't forget, ladies and gentlemen that this is occurring, obviously, the media would love for us to forget. That's why, uh, under the cover of this whole Ukraine, uh, you know, Russia thing, we have what Virginia roberts Jeffries settling with Andrew. We have what Jean-Luc Brunel being killed in his, or, duh, hanging himself in his cell. We have, uh, Sussman trying to get out of his, uh, of his indictment. We have Bill Barr writing a bastardized version of reality. And, uh, we have the Clintons coming back again with another global initiative because you know what? They have to absolutely make sure that they capitalize on the chaos. They're like, there are too many children running around out there in Ukraine. It's about time that the Clinton crime syndicate came back and took the main stage. Ladies and gentlemen, we don't like them. But for some reason, these guys, they just don't know how to go away. It is uh, one of the furthest things from Peace, guys. I just, I don't know. Like, I was going to say, this is the most annoying thing in the world, that the Clintons just cannot seem to stay away. Hey, Tam Tamgra, how you doing out there? Thank you for donating the can to the show tonight. I appreciate you. Mixed wine, says (laughs) (coughs) Railinon. Excuse me. Maybe Barr's afraid some compromising pictures will come out. Oh, I don't want to see any kind of a compromising photo. No 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 uh no compromising rendezvous photos of Bill Barr, please, ladies and gentlemen. Uh please, I ask you. That would haunt my nights for many years to come. Have a good night, love warns. Uh, it's past her bedtime, she says. Much love and love your style. Thank you, sweetie. Uh thank you so much. And uh have a great evening's rest, dear friend. Okay guys, let's uh let's see what else well let's see what we got about the crime fan the, the crime syndicate coming back out. Uh, This one's from Breitbart. Clinton Global Initiative reactivated after a long hiatus. Oh, lordy, ladies and gentlemen. Now, uh, I'm not going into immersive on this one because they've got like a whole bunch of like Twitter posts in here as well embedded in this. And I want to make sure that we capture them all, ladies and gentlemen, just like we want to capture them all, ladies and gentlemen. So uh, let's see what we got here. Yeah, Ta- uh, Tam Gerlse says the judge in that case. I mean, I mean, I can see them. I can see them honestly dismissing the case. They better not, but uh I don't know. I don't know what recourse um John Durham would take at that point. Maybe he would uh, seek an appeal, I guess, on the judge's decision, uh see if someone will stay that order and uh keep Michael Sussman held accountable for lying to the FBI. All right, Clinton Global Initiative reactivated, reactivate, and obliterate. It's the Clinton Global Initiative. Hi! It's cannibal Hillary Clinton. It's uh, Clinton the cannibal, Clinton the cannibal, Clinton the cannibal, right? Like Hannibal the cannibal? In a statement on Friday, former president Bill Clinton said, the Clinton Global Initiative will be making its comeback. To address the many challenges of children running around without parents in Ukraine. Just kidding. It says uh, to face to address the many challenges facing the world today. From climate change to Russia's invasion of Ukraine to the coronavirus pandemic. Cooperation and coordination has never been more urgent than it is now, wrote the former president. The COVID-19 pandemic has ripped the cover Off of long-standing inequities and vulnerabilities across our global community, the existential threat of climate change grows every day. Democracy is under assault around the world, most glaringly in Ukraine, where Russia has launched an unjustified and unprovoked invasion that has put millions of lives in grave danger, he continued. The number of displaced people and refugees worldwide is higher than it has ever been. More than 1 in 95 of all people alive on the planet today has been forced to flee their home and rising. Now, here's from the uh, Clinton Global Initiative tweeter. I should actually go, you know, because I like to... I use social platforms like Twitter to kind of like harangue these people, not really to share information or to uh, become an influencer. It says here, Partners in the at Clinton Global community are on the ground in Ukraine, stealing children and filling up their warehouses and across the region to provide urgent critical care to all of their paying adrenochrome addicts. Here's a look at some of these important efforts. No, thank you. A subset of the infamous Clinton Foundation, the Clinton Global Initiative convenes global and emerging leaders to create and implement solutions To the world's most pressing challenges like where are we going to get our next fix of Adrenochrome from, according to its website. Rather than directly implementing projects, CGI facilitates action by helping members connect, collaborate, and develop commitment actions, commitments to action, new, specific, and measurable plans that address the challenges of staying supplied with Adrenochrome. The Clinton Global Initiative ended in 2016 as Hillary Clinton launched her presidential campaign, fearing it could create a conflict of interest because Lord knows she wasn't doing any type of pay to play through her own servers, right? Uh, Drop some money to the Clinton Global Initiative, drop some money to the Clinton Global Foundation and we'll give you a backdoor into top secret emails and communications Via Hillary Clinton's secret servers that she, um, what, bit bleached or something like that? Bleach wiped? I don't know. She bleached them and smashed them with the hammer. The Clinton Global Initiative. Oh, I already read that. It will convene for between September 19th to September 21st in New York City. So, all right. The Clinton Global Initiative. They have some dates for us. They're coming together on September 19th. Just like the worlds we're living in, the September meeting will likely look different than the ones we held before. But what will not be different is the spirit that has driven. And that's a demonic, satanic spirit, I might add, that has driven the CGI, the Clinton Global Initiative, from the very beginning. The spirits of Moloch will be present, as well as the Baphomet and probably Baal as well. The idea that we can accomplish more together than we can apart. The former president said in his announcement, past events have featured A-list celebrity speakers and top business executives such as Ben Affleck, Affleck, Bono, (laughs) and former presidents Barack Obama, otherwise known as Barry Sotero, and Jimmy Carter. The initiative has also been sponsored by major corporations from Coca-Cola, Coca-Colan, Barclays, Goldman Sachs, Blackstone Group, Laureate Education, Monsanto or Monsatan, and Standard Chartered Bank. As the Washington Examiner profiled in 2016 upon the initiative's downturn, CGI has drawn criticism for its atypical method of operation. Okay, and uh, we're not going to play the video. It says here, instead of issuing traditional grants to groups in need, the Clinton Global Initiative's primary function is to take all the money and run, and then to convene powerful figures from the business, political, or entertainment worlds, and encourage them to pledge contributions for future projects called commitments, noted the examiner. However, the group's most recent philanthropic portfolio indicates fewer than half of the thousands of commitments made since 2005, Have ever been completed, it added. The charity's financial structure has also raised eyebrows since most direct contributions go toward the annual meeting or salaries rather than philanthropy. Because the payoff is the child's blood, right? I'm pretty sure that's what's going on here, guys. The payoff is the child's blood, ladies and gentlemen. Let's see, uh we got some we got some chat going on. Monsanto is owned by Bear. Yes, they are. Mr. Two Rivers, good evening. Good to see ya. How appropriate that it's called CGI. You know, CJM? I didn't even you know I didn't even catch that. CGI. No kidding, right? Yeah, it's all it's all fake. It's all a show. It's not real. It is CGI. Look at it. those are probably uh <laughs> And I'm being I'm being silly here, but those are probably uh, holograms on the stage right there. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Why are people buying Coca-Cola so that they. UT their earnings into the Clinton Global Foundation. Okay, yep. The Clintons are back grifting on a crisis. That is what they do. That is what they do. Tamgirl says, I thought the Clintons were getting a divorce. I feel like I heard something about that some time ago as well. Couldn't tell you if they are, though, or not. So, uh, well, there you have it, guys. The Clintons are back with their Clinton Global Initiative, their CGI fund. It doesn't exist. It is all in the imagination of everyone What's up, ladies and gentlemen? It's Mr. C from The C Report, and I'm stopping in for just a sec to encourage you guys to head over to theseereport.com. At theseereport.com, you can get more information on The C Report, check out episode resources, follow our blog and get new articles every week, join our mailing list, and stay abreast on the latest news and information. That's right. Head on over to theseereport.com. That's www.thecreport.com. And be sure to follow us on our social medias Truth Social, Rumble, Twitch, Clout Hub, and Pill.net. All right. Okay. So, who is this on the screen? Who is on the screen here, guys? We have uh, Anthony Blinken. And uh this guy's name is Big New Rao, if I'm not mistaken. This guy represents Poland here. So uh we're gonna talk about Russia today guys, but we're gonna talk about we're gonna talk about what the deep state's saying, we're gonna talk about what the Pentagon is saying. We're going to talk about what media is saying, and we're also going to talk about what Russia is saying. So those are kind of the angles that we're going to be going here when we're uh, discussing Russia and Ukraine and, uh, you know, the deep state hacks, the globalist uh, actors who are trying to, uh, you know, continue this war going like, uh, I don't know, someone was saying that they think it could be over within the next, what, few days or so. But I mean, I I just like all of you out there could not really say because I'm obviously not. Boots on the ground there, I don't speak Russian. I don't speak any of those other languages, although I saw some interesting video, and it was uh out of France now there's a lot of interesting video coming out of France on their newscasts where allegedly these Ukrainians are telling the truth about what's going on. they're like, No, there's no war. <laughs> Uh, they're like, uh, we're leaving because the country's e- e- economy is collapsing, not because we're, uh, we're afraid for our lives and Putin's going to kill us. But at the same time, I don't speak French. So I don't know if those translations are accurate, you know, or what I'm really looking at. So, I mean, uh, it's, it's a kind of a who's to believe here. Although, although, uh, I do tend to, uh, believe more of what is coming out of Russia than what is coming out of the uh, Ukraine of Ukraine itself and from our Western media. Now, if you're new to the show, if you're tuning in for the first time, and you're like, "Sacré bleu! This uh, red commie in the red blazer over here is uh, is pro Russia. This person must believe uh, in genocide of Ukraine, and uh, he's probably a Nazi." Well, you know, no, I'm not. But we've already covered here at the C Report extensively. Evidence of Nazis. In fact, I think we touch on it a little bit tonight in a few minutes. Uh, we've covered the history of Russia and the globalists. That is, you know, the, the ruling elite families who have been trying to destroy and uh, and ruin sovereign nations for a oh, a long time. A lot longer than we have to talk about tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and that kind of a thing. So, you know, I would I would encourage you, if you're new to the show and you're wondering what the heck this perspective is that's coming out of left field, so to speak, it's it's more like right field, but, you know, uh, to go back and look at some of our past episodes, I would say we really, really got heavy in it too with Russia around episode 250, okay, but we've been covering the Russia-Ukraine geopolitical perspective since Kazakhstan, back in January, on January 2nd, when Kazakhstan happened, we really started to turn our eyes onto that part of the world, started doing some studying, start doing some reading, some research, uh, which already was, uh, which was being coupled on top of some stuff that I already knew about Russia's history in regard to the globalist or the elite, um, the, uh, all well, for lack of a better phrase, the, uh, the uh, bloodthirsty uh, Satanist baby eaters out there who... Uh, have been uh the va- the bane of man's existence for god knows how long right okay so let's talk about uh blinken here and uh putin because i mean not putin about uh poland here because as you guys know you know uh, uh ukraine keeps on putting pressure keeps asking for the support of nato and the nato allied forces right to come in send us some airplanes send us some some warplanes send us send us something please don't send us just blankets And don't just do sanctions, okay? Now, I have an episode coming up about Zelensky, okay? A lot of stuff is coming out about Zelensky right now that I'm still trying to uh, get parsed through and to kind of, like, formulate into an episode. So I would say definitely expect an expose on Zelensky coming up very soon. Very interesting stuff, guys, that this man may not be whom he presented himself to be from the jump. And we all know that he's an actor. We all know he's a comedian. We all know he's a very talented pianist. Okay. But um, uh, that aside, guys, you know, his willingness to work with President Trump was one thing. Uh, but for me to wrap my head around him actually being a deep state operative, or maybe just a sellout, a little difficult at first, but more information's coming out. So the more things come out, the more information we get. Well, we'll see where we go from there, guys. Now, let's talk about how clownish and hippo- hypocritical the deep state is making our nation look. Of course, you know, the deep state has already made our nation look extremely weak and pathetic underneath the uh, regime, this uh, this, uh, uh, this absolute disaster of a... Uh, of an administration, false administration, right? Uh, it was only by means of destroying, of, of uh, defrauding and uh, be, committing treason against our nation and the American people, all the constituents, that they were able to get this clown into office, at least optically speaking. Now, one thing that I'd like to keep in mind here is that for as much as much heat that they try and put on Russia and as much promise as uh, this uh, current fake administration puts on Russia, I mean, aside from still buying oil from Russia, still empowering, enabling and enriching this supposed aggressive, uh, um, you know, terrible country, uh, they they don't seem to be doing much but piddling their fingers, right? Even the Pentagon, and we're going to talk about the Pentagon in a little bit, even they are not really able to do much. They have this one guy that goes on and does these Pentagon briefings about Russia, and he just looks like a scared old man. I would say a scared little boy, but he does not look like a little boy. He acts like one. He looks... I don't know. I no, no sense of strength or confidence coming out of the Pentagon spokesman. That's for sure. But uh, how are they making us look foolish and clownish? Well, take for example, what's going on with Poland. OK? Now, you have Anthony Blinken basically coming out and saying that uh, it's confirmed you know, uh, the Polish government is going uh, you know, you know, to send warcraft, you, warplanes, to Ukraine to support Russia. I mean, to support Ukraine, I apologize. And almost immediately, Poland comes back out and says, Ah, we never said that. Stop posturing. Stop lying. Okay, that's pretty bad, guys. That's pretty bad when uh, it's just like you have uh, Senator Flimsy Lindsey Graham going out there saying that we need to assassinate Putin. Like, who does that, right? Who does that? And uh, and then immediately he's getting uh, the kibosh because of what he said and done it is not a good thing. It's not a good look and it's definitely not, uh, that's not something that a good human being says and does, guys. I don't care what situation you're in. Aside from that, it's uh, endangering the country, making statements like that. But here we got this article from the Gateway Pundit. Again, I'm not, I'm putting it into immersive because I think there's a, uh, you know, like a little, um. Inserts that I want to make sure we get to see here. Clown show. Poland refutes Secretary of State Blinken's claim that it will send its fighter jets to Ukraine hours before the interview. So it was before, not after. That's pretty bad. Uh, picture here is Antony Blinken and I guess uh, members of the uh, Polish community uh, <laughs> security forces. Now it says here on Saturday... Uh, Joe Biden's sec- Secretary of Snakes, Antony Blinken, traveled to Poland. Blinken visited reception centers for Ukrainian refugees who entered the country. Apparently, there's over 922,400 Ukrainians that have now entered Poland since the start of what... Um, you know, guys, why can't we just say the Russian military operation? Why do we have to keep... Elongating this invasion rhetoric, right? Call it what it is. It is, and, and words are important. It is a military operation. It's not an invasion, okay? Like on my website, it's going to say Russian military operation in Ukraine, not Russian invasion. They didn't invade Ukraine, okay? They're not going to occupy Ukraine, all right? They're doing an operation and they're gone why they're still there i would say most likely because uh the deep state has done everything it can to uh drag this out and the longer it drags out to be honest guys the longer it drags out the more danger it that the more danger we are in and the more danger that russia is in of them turning this around on them so they need to get out as quick as they can but i don't know what's going on there for sure so i couldn't tell you now it says here blinken also met uh, with uh, Polish foreign minister Zbigniew Rao, who Who is uh, the man that was pictured in that photo I had up earlier. Now it says here uh, Foreign ministers new row, and Antony Blinken visited one of the reception centers that provide assistance to refugees from Ukraine once they enter Poland. Poland and the U.S. are actively working to ensure those fleeing Ukraine receive the support that they need. So there's their glory photos, right? This kid has some cotton candy. Looks good. Okay. Now it says here uh, Tony Blinken then went on Face the Nation on Sunday morning where he suggested that Poland may send its fighter jets to Ukraine. It says here it's going to end with Ukraine prevailing. Secretary of State Antony Blinken says NATO countries have the green light to send fighter jets to Ukraine. Okay. And uh, sensationalism here on the road to world war 3, right? Okay. I don't think it's going to happen, guys. It could happen, don't get me wrong, but I don't think it's going to The chancellery of the prime minister of Poland called this out as fake news, okay? One of our allies calling it out as fake you fake news, Anthony Blinken, you and your deep state department Now, this happened just hours before Blinken's appearance on CBS News. Oh, don't you just hate time zones, Anthony Blinken? They screw you guys up all the time. That's why honesty is the best policy, because you don't have to worry about what you're lying about if you're always telling the truth. It says, uh, Anthony Blinken still spun his lies anyways. The Chancellery of the Prime Minister of Poland states, Poland won't or will not send its fighter jets to Ukraine, as well as allow to use its airports. We significantly helped in other many areas. So, wow. So, uh, there, you can't use their airports, Ukraine. And you ain't getting any fighter jets. Thanks for lying, Anthony Blinken. Thanks for making us look like a bunch of liars, Deep State Department. Poland may provide Ukraine with MIG-29 fighters and SU-25 attack aircraft. And receive F-16 fighters in exchange from the United States. The Wall Street Journal reported, citing sources in the United States administration. Of course, they're talking about Anthony Blinken and the Deep State Department. The Chancellery of the Prime Minister says fake news. Now, when we're getting called out by supposed allies, right? Fake news—that's bad. Okay, how much more uh, ridiculous can these people make us look, guys? Now, it says, unfortunately, you are spreading misinformation with quotation from the February 27th, 2022. Poland will not send its fighter jets to Ukraine as well as any allowed to use its airports. We significantly help in many other areas. All the Polish Air Force MIG-29 aircraft remain at their home bases. All the Polish aircraft are marked with Air Force checkerboard. Okay. So if you see the checkerboard flying in the skies of Ukraine, well, they probably stole their aircraft because Ukraine, I mean, uh, because Poland is not sending that aircraft. So that's pretty bad here. What a clown show by Anthony Blinken. This would be enough to start a war with NATO if it were true. And it is totally reckless. Now, I I would agree with that for sure. Gateway pundit. But... uh, Let's call it what it is. It's not an invasion, okay? All right, so now let's take a look at these biolabs again, guys. Now, if you go over to the com, we actually published an article about uh the um biolabs, okay? We published this article today. Uh we actually uh read this article a, a few uh a few episodes ago, probably about almost 5 or 10 episodes ago, okay? So we were ahead of this before it really got uh to be a big thing. And so uh here we go. So okay, okay, so we all know by everyone knows by now, guys, this is common knowledge that there are biolabs. They are Pentagon-backed US biolabs. All around the world, really, you know, uh, we have a map of a lot of these things. Now, according to this little infographic here, it says uh, U.S. Biolabs in Ukraine, and they are financed at the expense of the U.S. Department of Defense taxpayer money. The laboratories are located in Odessa, Zincia, Uzgorod, Lviv, Kiev, Kherson, Ternopoli, and near Crimea and Luhansk. Uh, are two other possible locations. Hey, GothGash, how's it going over there in Twitch? Asking if I can explain the difference between an invasion and a military operation. And then, oh, Deep, deep State, never mind. Well, I, you know, I'm just saying, an invasion is is like, uh, that is more um, uh, significant of an occupation. Like, they're, they're going in, they're invading the country with the intent to destroy and take over the country. That's like an invasion. Now, an occupation means that, I mean, a, a military operation means they've got a a set goal, a set plan that they're going to do. And that does not necessarily mean that they're going to stay. And I don't think Russia is going to stay. Putin has kept saying he's not going to stay in Ukraine, that they're going to leave once they're done with this military operation, which is demilitarizing and denazifying the country. Take that as you will. We've covered this extensively here on the Sea Report already. Thank you for uh, the comments over there. Now, uh, fact or fiction. Now, this is something that, uh, where is this coming from? Uh, Let me see where we got this. This is coming from... This is also coming from the Gateway Pundit. I think the next few articles we got coming up are from them. Now, uh, Russia allegedly publishes documents that show Ukraine was working on biological testing near Russian border. So again, you go to theseareport.com, check out that article that we published about the biolabs, US biolabs in Ukraine and around the area. (coughs) It's a lot... It's a long article, but it has a lot of information. It's all sourced, okay? Uh, with links and everything there that you guys need to see the source reference material, uh, talking about how the uh, United States and the Pentagon have been bio uh, have been weaponizing a lot of these uh, bio labs and how they've been developing um, different types of bio weapons. OK, everything from uh, cho- cholera to to hepatitis A. Uh, there have been outbreaks in that area and they have the article pins down all of this information so you can go ahead and reference it there reference it there. So with that in mind, let's see what this article has to say about Russia publishing these documents. Of course, because the question is fact or fiction. Were they really going after biolabs in Russia? We don't know. Now, I think it stands to reason that they might have wanted to secure these biolabs. Now, when we're talking about the cities where they they actually, you know, uh shelled or they dropped Uh, near these biolabs. There's also been a question of would Russia really go and take out the biolabs? Would they just drop bombs on them? Would they blow them up because... I mean, isn't that a little counterintuitive? Would that not, like, in essence, you know, uh, spread the disease and the spore and blow it into the atmosphere and then uh, release a plague upon the world? True, true, true. I mean, that's very true statement. So maybe there were military installations or military compounds or weapons set up around these biolabs. Maybe that's what they blew up. But uh, actual, the actual biolabs, maybe just like the nuclear sites... They are securing those so that this way, the globalists, the deep staters, anyone in Russia who are the bad actors, they can't then weaponize those sites and release a plague or hold the world hostage or hold Ukraine hostage and say, if you keep doing this, Russia, we're going to blow up this nuclear reactor. If you keep doing this, Russia, if you keep trying to get the globalists out of Ukraine, we're going to release a plague. So that's, that's kind of the war game tactic that I see again. I'm no professional, and I, a very, very, uh, I have not seen much of this world. But that is what I deduce. That's what comes to my mind whenever I think about these things. Let's check this article out. Factor fiction. Russia publishes documents that show Ukraine was working on biological testing near Russian border. Border. With all of the disinformation coming out of Ukraine since the start of the Russian invasion, it is difficult to discern what is real and what is fake. There were rumblings last week that biological labs and testing sites in Ukraine were linked to the United States. We chose not to report on these claims. Uh Uh-huh. The bulletin in February claimed these reports were false and Russian disinformation. Right? I don't know who the bulletin is, but apparently... Gateway Pundit listens to them. It says, But today, ASB News, an organization that breaks news on Russia and its military, published documents Russia claims show biological testing in Ukraine near the Russian border. One document shows a list of the microbes being tested at the lab. Now, this is in Russian. So, you know, uh, it's not going to do anyone any good here, except for maybe Anka Vanka. If she's hanging out over there. It says at least one of the documents as RIA Novosti stamp on it. RIA Novosti is a Russian news site. So we do have some uh, we do have some um, English translation here. It looks like uh, it says a uh, state institution, Ukrainian research, anti-plague institute named after uh, Meknikov Ministry of Health Ukraine regional Kiev city centers for disease control and prevention of the Ministry of Health for Ukraine uh, the Ministry of Health of Ukraine in connection with the imposition of martial law in Ukraine on February 24 2022 in accordance with the decree of the President of Ukraine from uh, February 24th 2022 requests to ensure the emergency de- uh, requests to ensure the emergency destruction of biological pathogens used to ensure quality management system laboratory tests in the attached order. Again, I mean, I don't know if that's real or not. I couldn't tell you. Now, there are documents from the U.S. Embassy that were posted online on the biological labs in Ukraine. The documents were later deleted, but they are still available on the Wayback Machine, which is an amazing website I thought was a figure of speech for a minute. Um, Okay, so U.S. Embassy removed all their Ukraine bioweapon lab documents from the website. Now, this one right here, this is the United States Embassy for Ukraine And the page is called Biological Threat Reduction Program. I'm going to show you guys that page in a minute, Uh, but we actually already covered this on the C-Report a few episodes ago. Uh, And then these here are all of the removed documents, PDF files, uh, about, about the programs that they were running. So they're still archived. I need to actually download all of these. I have not done that yet. Now, uh, these labs are reportedly co-run by Fauci's EcoHealth Alliance, and rumor is Russia's entire military operation right now is unofficially to either secure and or destroy these labs and to gather evidence. Because how else are we going to prove this Nuremberg stuff with evidence, ladies and gentlemen? We already have them poking everyone, but if they can have the evidence that shows that this, they were up to no good, oh, that's only going to help the situation a whole lot more. Ladies and gentlemen. Okay. Uh, Let's see. Gothgash says, I've been watching for a few minutes. I don't want to be rude. I just don't think there's much we will agree on. Oh, I appreciate that, Gothgash. I just think at minimum we can uh, delineate the difference between ongoing occupation and invading someone else's sovereign territory. Either way, have a great evening. Gothgash, you too. Have a great evening. Now, that's exactly the type of interaction that I appreciate uh, from people out there, even if we have a difference of opinion. It's a very beautiful thing. Thank you, Gothgash, for popping in. Now, uh, this is that page I was talking to you guys about. U.S. Embassy in Ukraine Biological Threat Reduction Program. We covered this. And basically, this is the evidence here, guys, that uh, (laughs) the Pentagon and also Ukraine have been working together to develop these biological, uh, you know, um, defense laboratories here. Anyways, uh, go back a couple of episodes for the C-Report and you guys can get the skinny on that. Just thought I would show you guys the page here. All right, now let's talk about this other matter in Russia. We already talked about the SWIFT program and how they're removing Russia from that. But really, this sanction is not going to do much to hurt Russia. You know, SWIFT programs like a banking, financial, sharing information type of uh, deal. They already have their own program that does the same thing with like... Thousands and thousands and thousands of member banks and thousands and thousands of, uh, you know, financial institutions and hundreds of countries already signed it. Well, not hundreds. There's not like literally hundreds and hundreds of countries. But, you know, like, oh, like a hundred plus countries are also online with this. And this uh, banking system that they use over there, it's like PNI or PNS or something like that. Like, uh, um, you know, China's part of it. All these countries are part of it. So that sanction's really not going to do much to hurt Russia. Of course the Western media is going on about how it's gonna, you know, it's gonna it's gonna really cause them to crash and it's gonna be this terrible thing for Russia. So now we have Visa and MasterCard pulling out of Russia also, you know, right? Once I put in, I don't pull out. Aha! Okay, so well Visa and MasterCard are pulling out, and again, they're saying that this is really gonna hurt Russia. It's gonna just it's gonna be a big blow to their financial system. Well, these cards all say MNP on it. And as it turns out, ladies and gentlemen, they already have their own major card networks over there in Russia. So let's check this article out. This comes to us from, I think, uh, Business Insider, maybe. Is that you, Business Insider? I want to make sure I... Okay, I'm pretty sure it's the Business Insider, but uh, no, it's Bloomberg. Ah, it's a dishonorable mention, Bloomberg. Ah, Okay, anyways, Russian banks turn to China as Visa MasterCard cuts Business. So, will these uh, will these moves by the financial institutions hurt Russia or not? Let's find out. Uh Burbank, PJC PJSC said it's looking at the possibility of issuing cards using Russian payment systems MER, Now, that's the one I was talking about. And uh, China's Union Pay After Visa Incorporated and Mastercard Incorporated suspended operations following the invasion of Ukraine. The move could allow Russians to make some payments overseas, with union pay operating in 180 countries and regions. Visa and MasterCard said that any transactions initiated with their cards issued in Russia will no longer work outside the country from March 10. Cards issued by domestic banks will continue to work in Russia using its payment system. Russia's biggest lender, Sberbank, said it would announce timescales later visa and mastercard have joined the list of international companies suspending activities in russia in response to president vladimir putin's invasion of ukraine the move further isolates russia's economy cards issued outside of russia won't work at atms or merchants inside the country the firm said on sunday american express also said it is suspending operations in russia as well as belarus the moves are in addition to the previous steps we have taken, which include halting our relationships with banks in Russia impacted by the U.S. and international government sanctions. Russia's uh, largest non state lender, Alpha Bank, JSC, is already working on offering cards with Union Pay. State owned Union Pay is the provider of most card payments in China. Union Pay did not immediately respond to emails and phone calls outside of normal office hours. Central Bank. Tinkoff Bank said it currently is not issuing such cards, but will start to do so as soon as possible. Uh, Raiffeisen Bank International, AG's Russian business, said on its website that it was considering the problem. The Bank of Russia is also temporarily reducing the amount of information commercial banks are required to publish in an effort to limit the risks from international sanctions. Starting with the statements for February, banks will no longer have to release accounts prepared to national standards or make any additional disclosures on their websites, the central bank said in a statement. The Central Bank of Russia advised its citizens to use cash abroad. It said MER cards could also be used in Turkey, Vietnam, Armenia, Belarus, Kazakhstan, Kyrgyzstan, Tajikistan, and the breakaway territories of South Ossetia and Abkhazia. Okay, so uh, they still have the mer payment system now. Russia might be getting cut off from the rest of the world, but uh, I don't know. We'll see how that goes, and we'll see how that follows um we'll see how that that follows uh Russia guys, like what that's gonna do for them what how that's gonna exactly how that's gonna hurt them. uh we'll have to learn about that as we move along, okay, so moving right along to our next article for tonight, let's see what we got for you guys. Ah, let's talk about the oil, ladies and gentlemen, Uh, because as you guys may recall, as you guys may know, for some odd reason, even though, you know, Russia is aggressor and they're terrible and they're evil, uh, we're still buying oil from them. We're still enriching them. We're still empowering them, guys. It makes absolutely no sense. Uh, Hey, Empress Beach to you. How's it going? Rooting for Putin. Thank you for donating the cookie over there at uh, the foxhole. Uh, F the Nazis sympathizing, supporting Ukraine. Oh, F the Nazis sympathizing, supporting Ukraine. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they are not, there, there are Nazis in Ukraine. We already covered that extensively here at the Sea report. Most definitely guys. And I don't know why some of my uh, chat is not, uh, uploading. Oh, there we go. I don't know. I guess I just, I have a slight delay, but, uh, in a wooden shoe, <laughs> <laughs> who's wearing the clog hopper? <laughs> Okay. All right. Let's talk about the oil. Uh, Now, interesting enough, you know, rather than, uh, oh, I don't know, rely on our own natural resources, maybe uh, empower our own energy development here in the United States. uh, The goofball over there in the White House is buying oil from Russia and is now seeking to go buy oil from Saudi Arabia or uh not to not seeking to buy more seeking to get more because we're already buying oil from Saudi and from Venezuela, okay? This makes no sense. Why would we buy oil or try and buy more oil from a country like Venezuela, okay? Socialist communist. Oh, like one of uh, isn't isn't Venezuela also one of like Russia's best friends, right? It makes no sense, guys. Uh let's oh and, and here's here's You know, Blinken is just so weak in this deep state department. They're making our country look so weak, okay? Not only are we going to go and try and, uh, you know, uh, sweet talk Venezuela and Saudi Arabia. um, When it comes to banning Russian oil, apparently America can't even make that decision on their own. In order for America to stop buying oil from Russia, the aggressor here, the occupier, the destroyer of democracy and sovereign nations, right? That sounds more like the globalists to me than Russia. But we have to ask permission from Europe to do that. America has to ask permission from Europe to stop buying oil from Russia. How does that make any kind of sense at all? I don't know. Blinken said it, not me. I think this is from the Gateway Pundit. Let's check this out. Secretary of State Blinken suggests United States will not ban Russian oil without permission from European countries. We're not going to watch the video, but uh, it says here. Secretary of State Antony Blinken on Sunday said the U.S. is looking at banning Russian oil nearly two weeks after Putin began his military operation in Ukraine. So far, the only sanctions against Russia have hurt the innocent civilians. Big corporations such as Visa and MasterCard are also canceling innocent Russian civilians as as the U.S. refuses to ban Russian oil imports. Blinken suggested to Meet the Press host Chuck Todd that the United States would not unilaterally make a decision to ban oil. We are looking in coordination with allies and partners as this prospect of banning Russian oil and gas. Ridiculous, guys. Can you say neutered? This man is totally neutered, Anthony Blinken. And he's making us look pretty neutered as well, guys. That's a pretty bad look for America. When we have to follow suit, we don't jump to the front of the line. We don't make decisions for ourselves. We're not leaders, right? Oh, the Epoch Times shares this article about buying uh, oil, securing oil from Venezuela. Venezuela. U.S. hopes to secure oil from Russia-allied Venezuela, the uh, fallen socialist country. A, higher, a high-powered delegation from the United States met with Venezuelan socialist president Nicolas Maduro and vice president Delcy Rodriguez on March 5th to discuss the potential easing of sanctions and alternative oil resources. The group of emissaries from the United States led by top White House Latin America advisor Juan Gonzalez and Ambassador James Story also included six CITGO executives and special presidential envoy for hostage affairs, Roger Carstens, who attended to address the release of American citizens and dual nation, dual nationals being held in Venezuela. We have we have people being held hostage over there and we're going to go to them to buy oil. I hope everyone who's new to this show can see how ridiculous this is. Tensions between the United States and the Maduro regime have been high since 2019 when Washington broke off relations and temporarily suspended the service of its embassy over the contested presidential election from the previous year, which Maduro was accused of stealing. The Washington delegates arrived at a delicate time since U.S. lawmakers are pressuring the administration of illegitimate Joe to restart the Keystone XL pipeline project in an attempt to ease skyrocketing gas prices in the wake of Russia's war in Ukraine. Moreover, the United States representatives arrived just days after the Venezuelan leader voiced his avid support of Russian President Vladimir Putin's military operation in Ukraine. On March 3rd, Maduro called Putin a great leader of humanity, And verbally attacked Latin American media coverage of the Russian-Ukraine conflict, saying, It's really sickening and disgusting the way Spanish television and the press treat the conflict in Russia and Ukraine. Folded, kneeling, dragged to the interests of the American empire. Now, I would take the endorsement of Maduro kind of the way I would take the endorsement of Soros calling for Ukraine's sovereignty, okay? I wouldn't take it, all right? So I don't really look at uh, Venezuela, you know, kowtowing to Putin as a good thing. I don't, okay? I don't agree with anything about Venezuela as it stands, guys, because I think the, uh, the rottenness of the fruit that they have produced speaks for itself and the way that they have treated their people it's not, you, don't, you, you notice what's going on in Russia is not like what's going on in Venezuela, right? Like, even though these guys are allies, they are worlds apart from the way they run their countries, if that makes any sense to anyone out there. So, I take that with a grain of salt. I don't think anything that comes out of Maduro or from Venezuela is worth paying attention to, but it should be noted that uh, they are allies And we are going to Putin's ally to look for, please, sir, give us some more oil, sir, because we can't take it from Putin anymore because that's making us look like damn fools, like cuck bastards. So we need to go to the next, the next, uh, you know, uh... (laughs) oh, it's just ridiculous, guys. Okay. So anyways, back to the article. The controversial Venezuelan head of state pledged to sell Putin everything he needs to maintain the war in Ukraine and decried the sanctions against Russia, which has caused soaring petrol and gas prices worldwide. Maduro also hosted a meeting with Russian officials the week before Putin launched a full-scale attack on Ukraine on February 24th. During a tour with allied regimes in the region, which includes Venezuela, Cuba, and Nicaragua, the Russian Deputy Prime Minister Yuri Borisov, talked about deepening economic and military ties with Venezuela. Borisov's visit to Venezuela on February 16 had a heavy focus on military objectives. Reinforcing this, Maduro said Russia and Venezuela were on the path of powerful military cooperation after the meeting. Biden's administration initially tried to avoid a boycott of the Russian energy sector to prevent higher prices at the pump for American consumers. On February 24, The U.S. head of state said, in our sanctions package, we specifically designed to to allow energy payments to continue. According to U.S. Energy Information Administration data, the average monthly crude oil and gas imported from Russia in 2021 totaled roughly 680,000 barrels a day. Meanwhile, prices in the United States are the highest since 2008 as an alternative to supporting Russian oil. Pennsylvania Senators Wayne Langerholk, Joe Pittman, and Gene Yaw posted a co-sponsorship memorandum outlining plans and urging Biden to reopen the Keystone XL pipeline. In their joint statement, the Senators said, The United States cannot continue to rely so heavily on foreign oil when we have the resources to fuel our vehicles and heat our homes. Further, the memo added the Keystone project would transport a projected 830,000 barrels per day and nullify the country's dependence on Russian oil. The U.S. Department of State, the State Deep State Department, did not respond when contacted for comment. Okay, guys. So now we go into Venezuela. All right, what else are we doing that's just. Sorry, I forgot that was there. We're continuing the story of the hypocrisy of the Democrats, the libtards and the progressives, guys. Now, we've got Governor Hochul on the screen here. (laughs) Because it's hypocritical and it's ridiculous that we are buying oil from Russia, even though they're the enemy. And then we're going to another enemy, which, of course, is Venezuela. Venezuela. Hypocrisy, okay? So, Governor Hochul, as I like to call her, Gremlin Hochul, right? Okay, (laughs) she's also, of course, decrying, you know, Russia, and it's all about Ukraine, etc. And uh, now it has come out that one of Gremlin Hochul's main uh, donors is actually like a Russian oligarch. Okay, it figures, right, Gremlin Hochul? Okay, let's look at the article. This is from the New York Post. See, I'm telling you, Gremlin Hochul, look at her. Billionaire mogul with Russian ties emerges as a major donor to Gremlin Hochul. Numerous polls. Okay, there's Gremlin Hochul. (laughs) A Soviet-born billionaire with close ties to United States-sanctioned Russian oligarchs has emerged as a top donor to Governor Gremlin Hochul, according to campaign records that show a flurry of political contributions across the board. Len Blavatnik donated $69,700, the maximum allowed, to Gremlin Hochul's election campaign since she took over as governor, Following Andrew Cuomo's resignation in August, campaign records filed with the State Board of Elections reveals, Vlavotnik, 64, delivered an initial $10,000 to Hochul's gubernatorial campaign on November 11th, then $59,700 on January 12th, the filings show. The aluminum and oil tycoon, see, and he's an oil tycoon from Russia also donated $180,000 to Cuomo over two decades. Adding contributions from his wife, Emily and brother Alex, the contributions to the disgraced governor totaled $191,900 according to the BOE records. With an estimated worth of $34.2 billion, Blavatnik certainly has money to burn. He gave $28, $100 $100 to President Biden in 2020 and $2,900 to Senator Charles Schumer last year, according to the Center for Responsive Politics, org website. He also pitched in $5,000 to Sean Donovan for mayor and $2,500 to Ray McGuire's candidacy last year. That is a photo of Blavatnik. Uh, even Bo Diddl, or Bo Diddle, <laughs> even Bo Diddle, who ran a quixotic campaign for mayor in 2017, received a $4,000 donation from him. In New York, Blavatnik also donated to the campaigns of two other bad boys of politics. $104,100 to former attorney, uh, State Attorney General Eric Schneiderman, who resigned amid sex abuse allegations, and $19,500 to ex-Governor Elliot Spitzer's campaign committee. Spitzer, a.k.a. Client number 9, stepped down following a prostitution scandal in 2007. Elsewhere, Blavatnik donated a combined $50,000 apiece to the New York State Democrat Committee and Southampton Democrat Party. He also gave $25,000 to former Governor David Patterson's campaign committee in 2009. Even former Mayor Bill de Blasio benefited from Blavatnik's largesse. He and his wife kicked in a combined $9,990. Look at that in verse 666 that he gave over to de Blasio. And that was in his 2013 campaign. The list goes on. Other recipients of his generosity include former Manhattan District Attorney Robert Morgenthau, $20,000, Cy Vance Jr., $17,500, and Democrat Representatives Hakeem Jeffries and Carolyn Maloney. Uh, Carolyn Maloney. Yeah, that's an old dinosaur up there. But when it comes to campaign contributions, Blavatnik is no partisan or ideologue. He is an equal opportunity giver. For example, he donated $2,400 to the congressional campaign kitty of Long Island Representative Lee Zeldin, now the leading Republican contender for governor in 2016. Take note, New Yorkans, New Yorkers, whatever. On the national level, he also gave $1 million to former President Donald Trump's inaugural committee and has donated millions more to candidates and treasuries of both political parties, the Republican National Campaign Committee, the Senate Republican Campaign Committee, and some of the Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee. He donated $2,800 to Republican Rudy Giuliani's 2008 campaign for president. Blavatnik has also given to polls through his company, Access Industries record shows. State Board of Elections filings show that through Access Industries, he donated an additional $239,300 to Cuomo's campaign. $177,000 to Schneiderman, $100,000 to uh, State Democrat Party Committee, $25,000 to State Attorney General Letitia James' campaign in 2018, and $19,000 to Gremlin Hochul for Lieutenant Governor in 2014. Access Industries also gave $62,000 to keep Kathleen Rice in 2013 and $50,000 to New York State Republican Party. Corporations are allowed to give to candidate office to candidate for candidates for state offices, but not city or federal. As reported by The Post last week, Blavatnik, a citizen of both the U.S. and the United Kingdom, who is said to be the richest man in Britain, owns a stable of pricey Manhattan properties. Pictured here is Gremlin Hochel. All right. Gremlin Hochul. Uh, let's see, so it says here, Blavatnik was born in Odessa, Ukraine, under Soviet rule and moved to Russia as a child. He made his way to Brooklyn in 1978, later graduating from Columbia University and Harvard. He now owns Warner Music, as well as numerous firms through his parent company, Access Industries. Blavatnik struck it rich in 2013 when Russian autocrat President Vladimir Putin reportedly brokered a deal for the Russian government-controlled Rosneft petrol company, to buy TNK BP Oil Company for $30 billion. Blavatnik, a co-owner-slash-investor of TNK BP, and his partners received billions of dollars as part of the sale. It is fair to consider Blavatnik the most successful oligarch to emerge from the post-Soviet space, said Casey Michael, author of the book American Kleptocracy, How the United States Created the Greatest Money-Laundering Scheme in History. Two of his close Russian business partners, oligarchs Viktor Vexelberg and Oleg Derp- Derpaska, were sanctioned by the U.S. Treasury Department after Russia was accused of meddling in the 2016 United States elections. Kremlin-connected oligarchs and those who've made their fortunes in Russian business deals, in Russian business deals have under renewed scrutiny amid Putin's military invasion of Ukraine. European authorities have seized the yachts of oligarchs in response to the incursion unlike his pals Blavatnik who's Jewish has not been sanctioned as an American citizen Blavatnik's multitude of campaign contributions are legal but Casey Michael or Casey Mitchell who studies oligarchs said American politicians and academic institutions should not accept Blavatnik's donations because of his business dealings with Kremlin tied tycoons there's enough smoke here you can choke on it Mitchell said This is what Blavatnik does. He donates on either side of the political aisle. All too often, these politicians are all too happy to accept his money. They should not accept these funds. Academy institutions, sorry, academic institutions and think tanks, including Oxford University, Blavatnik School of Government, MIT and his alma mater, Harvard University, Blavatnik Institute at Harvard Medical School, and the Council on Foreign Relations have been criticized for accepting millions of dollars in donations from the billionaire industrialist over his Russian ties. Blavatnik, via a statement through his Axis Industries company, defended his donations. As an American, the statement says, as an American citizen for nearly 40 years, Mr. Blavatnik has made donations in support of both Democrats and Republicans. The donations are motivated by his desire to further a pro-business, pro-Israel agenda in government. The donations are a matter of public record and comply with all legal requirements. Gremlin Hochul's campaign had no comment. But down with Russia, Hochul. I don't know if that line can be blurred since he's Ukraine-born, but he's a Russian, I guess, national. Interesting, but there you go. The hypocrisy it reeks, ladies and gentlemen. All right, let's talk next about... uh, Let me see how we're doing on time here. Good, good, good. Let's talk next about uh, these uh, protests that are breaking out in Russia. Okay, now, again, I don't know much about this stuff. I mean, if I had to guess, I would say that these are not organic protests. It's kind of what I would think, but... We're not. Uh, we're let's let's get into the. Uh, what are you guys talking about over there? Okay, let's get into the article first, guys. Uh, let's get into the article and see what it has to say about these protests. This is from uh, Breitbart here. Russia detains four thousand six hundred at ukraine war protests now it makes sense to me that uh you would probably have globalist operatives uh i don't know uh crowd strike aficionados um internet interactive activity victims rushing to protest russia in the streets it would make sense to me that uh, you would have globalist uh influences Uh, coming out in the streets of Russia to make Russia look bad. Because it's all about optics, right? Now, I'm not saying that this stuff isn't organic. I'm not saying it's not real. I'm just throwing out a different perspective here. Uh, Let's see what the article says. Russia reportedly detained at least 4,600 people at protests against the war in Ukraine on Sunday, 1,700 of them in Moscow. Protesters used social media to accuse the police of using excessive force, to make the arrests including shots of detainees beaten bloody with police batons Russia-based independent human rights monitor OVD-Info put the total number of arrests on Sunday even higher at 5020 people the largest previous crackdown by Russian police came in January 2021 when opposition leader Alexei Navalny was arrested upon returning from Germany after he was attacked with chemical weapons, allegedly by agents of Russian President Vladimir Putin. The Moscow Times quoted police officials who said the detainees were arrested for participating in unsanctioned rallies. The police only gave numbers for the main rally in Moscow and a somewhat smaller event in St. Petersburg, Russia's second largest city, but OBD Info said arrests were made in 65 towns across the country. The Russian Interior Ministry on Sunday said 750 people were detained in St. Petersburg. Several of them were allegedly involved in assaulting police officers. On March 6th, an attack was staged on police officers who tried to stop an unauthorized rally by its participants. Two of the attackers were detained. The third one fled but was identified. A criminal case was opened on charges of an attack on policemen, a spokesman for the Interior Ministry said. The screws are being fully tightened. Essentially, we are witnessing military censorship, OBD Info spokeswoman Maria uh, Kuznetsova said on Sunday. Nevertheless, Kuznetsova said her group was seeing rather big protests today, even in Siberian cities, where only rarely saw such numbers of arrests. At a community meeting in the Siberian city of novak regional governor Sergei Sisolev was confronted by citizens who accused the Russian government of deceiving young men into military service to use them as cannon fodder. fodder. The meeting was captured by an amateur photographer, and Radio Free Europe could not confirm the date of the meeting. No one has lied to anyone, Sisulyev reportedly told the crowd, arguing that it was right and correct not to comment on an ongoing special operation. Look, you can shout and blame everyone right now, but I think that while a military operation is in progress, we should not criticize, he argued. When Zisulyev said the operation in Ukraine would surely end soon, someone in the crowd shouted, You mean when everybody dies? As RFE pointed out, troops from Novikusneks are known from footage and reports to be among the reportedly heavy casualties suffered in Russia's assault a key city near the Ukrainian capital of Kiev. Captured Russian troops who identified themselves as members of the Novokutsketsk unit said they were deceived into thinking they were part of a training exercise. In another awkward moment, Sisolev reportedly argued the Ukrainian invasion was being handled much like the Soviet Union's invasion of Afghanistan, in which the first wave of troops did not know where they were going. This argument did not appear to reassure anyone in the crowd. Social media accounts, especially on the encrypted messaging platform Telegram, carried photo and video of riot police beating protesters with batons and demonstrators with blood running down their faces. OVD Info said electric shocks were also used to subdue the protesters. The Moscow Times counted over 10,000 demonstrators under arrest since Russian pl- President Vladimir Putin ordered the invasion of Ukraine on February 24. Sunday's rallies were held in defiance of new speech controls imposed on Friday that effectively criminalized all criticism of the war, including calling it a war. Ironically, the first man charged under the new law made a point of calling the conflict a special operation to demilitarize Ukraine, the preferred verbiage of Putin's regime, but was arrested and fined anyway because he organized a demonstration against it. The New York Post on Friday offered a backhanded salute to the spoiled rich kids of Russian oligarchs who apparently have no taste for rumbling with the police in the streets of Moscow, but are posting anti-war messages, blasting Putin, and praying for peace with their Instagram accounts. These fiery Instagram posts might seem like trivial acts of resistance compared to the street demonstrations, but they could be punished with jail time under the speech codes imposed on Friday. And some of the protesting socialites are the children of rich and powerful members of Putin's inner circle. In fact, one of them is Elizaveta Peskova, the 24-year-old daughter of Kremlin spokesman Dmitry Peskov. Her Instagram post saying no to the war was mysteriously deleted within an hour of reaching her 237,000 followers around the world. And her Instagram account was switched to private status shortly thereafter. Interesting article, guys. So, you know, we won't agree about everything um, in regards to what's happening. And of course, I mean, our ability to uh, have that freedom of speech, to have that right to uh, protest war, protest anything that's going on here, really. I mean, that will always be a blessing. Can't say that I would agree with Putin or Russia for not allowing that to happen in their country. Um, Let's see here. Pill by the Rabbit says, that sounds very interesting and it's time for us to hear such important history. Oh, well, that's part of another conversation. My bad. Uh, Have a good night, Empress Speech to you. Thanks for hanging out with us tonight. (laughs) Uh, Question mark. Was this in the Soros budget, right? And why are they masked? That's another good question. Uh, are you talking about the, uh, are you talking about the person with the chin diaper on or? <laughs> All right, guys. Uh, don't let that gremlin get wet. It's oh, about gremlin Hochul. Yeah, I think so too. I think a lot of these people are probably Soros. It's probably a lot of Soros funded or some kind of uh, dark money funding. Uh, these protesters promising them 15 bucks an hour or how many rubles there is that makes anyone go onto the streets. And pro- That's why I say, I don't think it's organic, but at the same time, when I'm reviewing Russian news, uh, there's no talk about these um, riots, right? So, or not riots, these protests. So if um, Russia really is clamping down on these protests, and they are in fact happening, it would make sense that Russian news would not have any of this information out there because it makes Russia look weak and disunified, right? Right. And we can't have that. Now, here is, oh, actually, before we get into this article, I think, are we touching on this one first? Oh, no, 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 that's something else. Uh, we're going to have an Atlantic Council article coming up here in a minute, guys, but uh, let me go ahead. Now, let's let's shift gears away from these uh, protesters, right? The C-Report and all the shows on this podcast channel are 100% listener supported. We don't have corporate sponsors. We don't have independent sponsors. Our sponsors are you, the listener. So if you like the work we do and like what we have to say and contribute to the world of news and information and entertainment, please show us your support. Make a monthly donation to help sustain future episodes at anchor.fm slash the C-Report. Your support is greatly appreciated. From 99 cents per month to four ninety nine dollars per month to nine ninety nine dollars per month, every donation counts and every bit helps. Show your support for the C-Report and other shows on this podcast channel by visiting anchor.fm Slash the C Report, and thanks, y'all. All right, let's do this real quick. Since we're here, thank you guys again for tuning in to the C Report on Estenoché. Uh, don't forget to support us over at uh, Buy Me a Coffee, Cash App, or PayPal. If you enjoy the work that we do here, it keeps the lights on. And uh, naturally, if you're over there at Rumble, if you're over there at uh, PILD or Twitch, even uh, donations and support are always greatly appreciated. Uh, just dropping my links there. Don't mind me, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go ahead and throw in uh, the Anchor link as well. Dropping links over at uh, Pilled. I guess I, sup- I should do the same for the other places as well, too. Do we got, is there, is there anybody out there? Oh, okay. I'm talking to the Rumble crowd. (laughs) Is there anyone out there at Rumble? I don't know. Probably not. It's okay. We're still growing our audience, but uh, definitely subscribe guys or follow for free, whichever one you want to call it. Subscribe, follow. I don't personally like using the word follow, but uh, I guess it comes with the territory, right? And what everyone is used to. Okie dokie. And uh, we got we got some live ones over at Twitch. Thanks for joining us. If you're over there at Twitch, don't forget. Check out thecereport.com. We've relaunched the website. And uh, follow us over at Rumble. Follow us over at Twitch. Follow us over at Clout Hub. And if you're over at Pilled, look for my Pilled account. Follow me there. And if you're over at foxhole.app, make sure you favorite this show. Okay, guys, let's talk about some of what the Pentagon is saying now. Pentagon looks really weak right now, if you ask me. Um, you got Pentagon spokespeople coming out there pretty much cowering, cowering behind the stage there, behind the podium, not really looking confident at all. Uh, For all all intents and purposes, you know, we're, we're going to go stop Russia, we're going to show them, and then nothing happens, right? Like, what do we got? Uh, sanctions, right? I don't know. I mean, it seems like the military, it doesn't seem like they can do anything. Could this possibly because, uh, oh, I don't know. Uh, We don't have any military that's uh, working with the deep state. Now, I know that there are certain uh, divisions that work with the deep state, but overall, I don't think that they can do It's kind of what I'm thinking. Hey, Canoe tripper, how's it going, sir? Thank you so much for coming on in. What have I missed, C Man? <laughs> oh not much. We just been talking about uh we talked about John Durham and Michael Sussman. Uh we talked about uh the Clinton Global Initiative coming back. We talked about uh Bill Barr at length, guys. And uh we've been kind of uh, on a Russia high right now. So now we're talking about what the Pentagon says about Russia recruiting Syrians. Okay. And uh, this is going to actually go into the next article, which I think actually complements the previous article, where you, again, you had all these protesters coming out saying, you're just trying to kill young Russians. You're using us as, you know, cannon fodder over there in, uh, over there in Ukraine. Interesting enough, because we are going to touch on some Russian news, guys, like from Russia, uh, that's not what Putin's saying. But uh, if, you're a, if, you're a, if you're not a fan of Putin... Of course, you're not going to believe anything that he says. But of course, we'll see what happens, guys. Um, this is from Digital Journal. Okay. And uh, it says here, Russia is recruiting Syrians to fight in Ukraine. So saith the Pentagon. Right. So it, it's got to be true. Okay. Uh, article says, Russia is recruiting Syrians and other foreign foreign fighters as it ramps up its assault on Ukraine, the Pentagon said Monday. Now... Something I would have to say is a counterpoint here. We have openly had Zelensky calling for uh, internationals to come in and fight for Ukraine. Okay, And we already know that uh, Ukraine has utilized warmongers, has utilized war tourists, has utilized hired mercenaries, has embedded their own National Guard with Nazis, has hired like, far-right and far-left extremist, uh, you know, militias to fight their wars for them, has asked people from other countries to come and fight for them. So that's just a counterpoint. If If the Pentagon is trying to make Russia look bad for recruiting Syrians or other foreign fighters, which I don't think is true, I just don't think it's true. But if they're trying to go at that angle, I mean, the globalist you know, influences in Ukraine have already done that by a week. Like, you know, Zelensky beat Russia to the punch, right? They beat them to the punch by hiring all the mercenaries before Russia could do, if that is what Russia's doing, according to the Pentagon, apparently that's what Russia's doing. But, uh, I mean, Zelensky's already bought them all, right? So I don't know how much good that's going to do, but... It says here, Moscow entered the Syrian civil war in 2015 on the side of President Bashar al-Assad's regime, and the country has been mired in a conflict marked by urban combat for more than a decade. Now, United States Department of Defense officials said Russia's President Vladimir Putin was on a recruiting mission seeking to bring some of those fighters into the fray in Ukraine. According to the Wall Street Journal, U.S. officials said that Russia, which launched an invasion, which launched an invasion, and I guess this is coming from a a dishonorable mention digital journal, so we'll call it that, uh, and its eastern European neighbor on February 24th has in recent days recruited fighters from Syria, hoping they can help take the capital in Kiev and other cities. Now you see, this is part of the war propaganda here, guys, because uh, according to Putin, they are doing a military operation. they are not trying to occupy or capture the cities, okay now that would also kind of depend too, because if we're talking about capturing the cities, okay, that could be from the Nazi influences, okay, as we're learning more and more about Zelensky, we already know Ukraine is corrupt. We already know that Nazis are embedded, not that they we're not saying they are all Nazis. What we are saying is that Nazis are embedded in their government. Nazis are embedded in their military, okay? So it, it it can be a very confusing looking, confused looking type of situation. When you have Nazis running around in Ukrainian uniforms, who are you gonna believe, right? It's like, oh, they're clearly attacking Ukrainians, Ukrainian military, Ukrainian government, but they're Nazis running around in their skiddies, right? Ukrainian clothes, okay? Not all of the Ukrainians are corrupt. Not all of the Ukrainians are Nazis, but you got Nazi elements definitely in there. We've already covered this ad nauseum on our show. I say that for the benefit of those who are new to this broadcast and have never seen it before or don't know what the heck I'm talking about. We have an extensive back catalog within the last 10 to 15 episodes. We've been covering this a lot, uh, particularly since, uh, since um, Kazakhstan happened uh, on January 2nd. We've been covering this area of the world a lot here at the Sea Report, and uh, we've looked at a bunch of histories. And again, I'm saying this for the benefit of those who have never heard this broadcast before, or first-time listeners, or first-time viewers. I would encourage you to go back and look at our previous episodes on this topic. Now, getting back into this article, um, as it was saying here, guys, uh, you have, now they're saying that Syria, they're recruiting Syrians. Now, I think this is part of the war propaganda. Cause first they're saying that Russia was trying to capture the capital and occupy it and other cities. Then they're saying they're bringing Syrian soldiers into it. So it's going to make, it's conflating it into something much bigger than it is, which is a Russian specific military operation to take out globalist interests in Ukraine. Right. And those globalist interests, some of those are Nazis also. All right. So that's what, that's what the mission. It seems that is what Putin has said it was to be. Now, the, the number one thing that we've been doing here is we've been looking at what the West says and what Russia says. And we've been comparing it to what we see on the ground. And we've been comparing it to what we see with our own eyes. And we're trying to figure out here whose side is more accurate, Russia's side and what they say, or the West side and what they say, versus what we're seeing on the ground. Parsing through the propaganda and the lies of the Western media. Now, Let's not be mistaken. We are no fans of the lame stream, shame stream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propaganda, pedophile media here. And from my point of view, the what they spin is always a lie. So we're looking for the counterpoint here. Okay, the counter storyline, the counter narrative. And we're seeing if that counter narrative is true to what Russia is saying versus what the West is saying. Okay, it's all just about looking at these two sides of the story and Using our discernment and scrip scrimping through all of the facts and all of the fiction that we're being told. That's what we're doing here, guys. And based on that, this sounds like propaganda. This sounds like they're using Syrian troops as uh, as a way to open up that door to bring in outside elements to help Ukraine and to really get a skirmish going. So that this way, in the end, once there's a whole bunch of chaos, they can just blame it on Putin And then they get their narrative, and then they win, and then, you know, the deep state prevails, okay? All right, now, going through the rest of this article, it says here, One official from the Pentagon told the Daily that some fighters are already in Russia, readying to join the fight in Ukraine, though it was not immediately clear how many combatants have been recruited. Details were slight and they always are slight, it seems, from the deep state department and from the Pentagon. They can't give you any real details. It's like the spokesperson from the Pentagon was like, well, we, we can't really tell you what's going on over there. We really do believe that there's amphibious vehicles, you know, invading Ukraine, but we don't have any photos and we don't have any pictures and we have no proof that there's even, you know, Russian warships off the coast of Odessa or Crimea, right? Like, we, can't, we can't really confirm it, but that's what we believe it's true. So it's true, right? It's all of that is what we get from uh, Pentagon right now and from the deep state. Nothing solid, no photo evidence, no, like where they had all of these photos, uh, uh, satellite images of massive troops and, uh, you know, war machines on the Ukraine border. But they can't even manage to get satellite photo of amphibious ships. They can't even, where where are all the satellite photos of all of the war that's going on right now in Russia? It's not, Happening. It's not coming up. Just like when we were looking at all of the live cams, there was no evidence of a war looking at the live cams. It was uh people walking their dogs and riding their bikes and driving their cars. Not even plumes of war in the live cams, guys. And you all saw it. We watched, we did it live here on the show. So this seems like propaganda to me. Alright, from the Pentagon. Okay? It says, we do believe that the accounts of them, the Russians, seeking Syrian fighters to augment their forces in Ukraine, we believe there's truth to that, the Pentagon spokesperson John Kirby says, with no evidence, right? Details were slight. Let's go back and read this. Details were slight. Officials would not speculate on how many mercenaries have joined the fight or on the quality of the fighters, but the Pentagon said there was no reason to doubt the accuracy of the reports, undoubtedly coming from three-letter agencies. And what? The lame stream, shame stream, fake news legacy, pedophile, propaganda, mockingbird, media. We do believe that the accounts of them, the Russians, seeking Syrian fighters to augment their forces in Ukraine, we believe there's truth to that. Pentagon spokesman John Kirby said, But with enormous firepower and more than 150,000 deployed troops at Putin's disposal, the Pentagon said it was noteworthy that he would find it necessary to recruit mercenaries. It's interesting that Mr. Putin would have to find himself relying on foreign fighters here, Kirby said, though he acknowledged the Pentagon does not have perfect visibility on exactly who is joining the cause. Earlier Monday, a senior defense official told reporters more directly, we know that they're trying to recruit Syrians for the fight. Foreign combatants have already entered the Ukrainian conflict on both sides. Chechnya strongman leader Ramzan Kadriov, a former rebel turned Kremlin ally, has shared videos of Chechen fighters joining the attack on Ukraine and said some had been killed in the fighting. Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuleba has claimed around 20,000 foreign volunteers have traveled to the country to join Kiev's forces. Calling for restraint on all sides in the conflict during a UN Security Council session on Monday, China's ambassador said an already dire situation could only be made worse by shipments of arms to Ukraine, as well as the deployment of mercenaries without directly mentioning Russia, a Beijing ally. UN spokesman Stephanie Dujaric said in his uh, Stefan, sorry, not Stephanie, Dujaric said in his daily briefing he had no way of confirming or not confirming reports of Russia recruiting mercenaries, but he said the conflict does not need more people coming to the outside. Adding that the UN's focus is on the humanitarian end. The capital and the second largest city, Kharkiv, are still held by Ukraine's government while russia has seized the port city of Kherson and stepped up its shelling of urban centers across the country russia's nearly two week old assault has been more than 1.7 million has seen more than 1.7 million people flee the country in what the un has called europe's fastest growing refugee crisis since world war II. all right guys so there's that piece of propaganda i really believe that's propaganda i mean we can't be certain, but we believe it. Now, here is from a Russian uh, a news agency, Sputnik, right? This one says, Putin says, tasks in Ukraine solved only by professional military. So we'll take this little bit of information, right? And the other bit of information that we've been uh, going over, and we will look at what's happening on the ground and see which one matches closer to the truth. That's kind of how we're parsing through some of this, because, again, I don't speak Russian. I don't speak any of those languages. I'm not on the ground. there. obviously reporting what I see. So uh, this is the best we can do for uh, independence, guys. All right. It's almost 12-12 here in uh, Texas, sir. Let's see here. Two River says, The cams view recently added two Polish viewpoints. Good to know, Mr. True Rivers. Thank you for that information. And how's it going, everyone else? Who else is hanging out? Second Generation Okie. Hey, what's up? Heard Biden went to the hospital today and he couldn't stop Putin. <laughs> That's excellent. Thank you for that. I appreciate you. Second Generation Okie. Hey, Philly Q. Philly Q says, watched Fox on television today. All lies from one aspect, but at least they are skirting around it. Uh-huh. Veteran Vern said, hey, veteran, thank you for your services. Hey, Biden, Vladdy is your daddy. Oh, man, I, I like you. Guys. I like this late night audience. Guys. <laughs> That's some fun stuff. Tam Growl says, more fake news. <laughs> Java says, ad Nazium, pun intended. Okay. <laughs> Good work, guys. Good job. Sea Dragon, what's up, buddy? He says, the Speak Uneasy sent us something about checks and gold pills. Oh, awesome. It's 1212 12 here in Texas. Alright, let's see what Sputnik had to say. Now, this is Putin's point of view. It goes this way. Moscow okay, all of their all of their articles start off with this. Moscow announced a special military operation in Ukraine on February 24 after people of Donbass requested to defend them from intensified aggression by Kiev government. The Russian Ministry of Defense noted that the operation does not target civilians and that Russia does not intend to occupy Ukraine. So we'll have to see how true that is. I believe this, to be frank, and you guys know I don't like to be frank because I already look enough like a hot dog, but I believe this. This is what I've seen more than what we've been told through the Western media. Now, the article says... Russian President Vladimir Putin said on Monday that the task of carrying out the special military operation in Ukraine will involve only professional military service members. Conscript soldiers are not participating in the operation and will not be in the future, he said. So this flies directly in the face of what we heard of from the protesters over there in Siberia who were saying, you're sending our young men to die as war fodder. Okay, according to this article... Putin saying, no, we're not doing a draft. It's only certain soldiers who are there. And I don't know if that's true. I'm just saying this is what is being said. Now, it says, um, in his congratulations on International Women's Day, March 8th, Putin addressed the relatives of servicemen who are now participating in the special military operation. Putin said, I would like to address the mothers, wives, sisters, brides, and girlfriends of our soldiers and officers who are now defending Russia during the special military operation. I understand how you worry about your loved and close ones. You can be proud of them just as the entire country is proud of them and worries about them. I would like to stress that soldiers on active duty do not and will not participate in hostilities, and there will be no additional call-up of reservists now could it be that the reason why he's not going to call uh, active duty members into the fight or he's not going to call up additional reservists because he's bringing in syrian soldiers or is it because they have found themselves quite successful in their battle and they don't need to now if you go to ukrainian um news agencies like euro maidan for example They had an article that was like, 100,000 Russian troops detained or captured, uh, 1,500 Russian tanks destroyed, 3,000 Russian airplanes shot down from the sky. Ridiculous stuff like that, right? Oh, but we have no video evidence of any of this stuff. We have no footage to suggest that it's real. And you know that if the deep state, the globalists in Ukraine were actually being that successful, they would have that stuff plastered over every news agency the West has to offer which is why I'm saying what they are saying in the West is not adding up to what we're seeing in the ground. Just as my audience is aware, the live cams don't show any of that stuff. We don't have any photo satellite imagery, right? Just like they seem to have all this satellite imagery before this this incursion, this operation took place. But now that it's in full swing, now that Ukraine is whooping Russia's tail, according to the West, we don't see anything to suggest that this is true, okay? So... That's what we do here, guys. We think about it just a little bit before. Uh, Now it says here, the tasks set are solved only by professional servicemen. This is Putin speaking again. The tasks set are solved only by professional servicemen. I am convinced they will reliably ensure security and peace for the people of Russia. Russia launched a military operation in Ukraine on February 24th whose main purpose, according to President Putin, is to protect people who have been subjected to discrimination and genocide by the Kiev regime for eight years. The operation was started to demilitarize and denazificate Ukraine and bring to justice all war criminals responsible for bloody crimes against civilians in Donbass. According to the Russian Ministry of Defense, the armed forces target only the military infrastructure as well as Ukrainian troops and do not threaten civilians. With the support of the armed forces of the Russian Federation, the DPR and the LPR militia groups are also participating in combat. President Putin said that Russia does not need the territory of Ukraine and does not seek to occupy the country. And again, guys... We'll see. And particularly for those who are new to this audience, we're just going to see, you know, regardless of where we stand, what our intuition, our gut or our understanding through research independently tells us, we will see when it happens. Now, this is from another Russian agency, Toss. Russian government approves list of unfriendly countries and territories. So Russia's got a list of friends and foes. The countries and territories mentioned in the list imposed or joined the sanctions against Russia after the start of a special military operation of the Russian armed forces in Ukraine. That is, um, what is this building? The house of the Russian government. That is what this building is. Okay. Okay. now it says here the government of the russian federation has approved on monday a list of foreign states and territories that commit unfriendly actions against russia its companies and citizens the list includes the united states and canada the european union states the united kingdom including jersey angola and the british virgin islands and gibraltar ukraine Montenegro, Switzerland, Albania, Andorra, Iceland, Liechtenstein, Monaco, Norway, San Marino, North Macedonia, and also Japan, South Korea, Australia, Micronesia, New Zealand, Singapore, and Taiwan. In parentheses, Taiwan is considered a territory of China, but ruled by its own administration since 1949. Interesting, huh? The countries and territories mentioned in the list imposed or joined the sanctions against Russia after the start of a special military operation of the Russian armed forces in Ukraine. The government noted that according to this decree, Russian citizens and companies, the state itself, its regions and municipalities that have foreign exchange obligations to foreign creditors from the list of unfriendly countries will be able to pay them in rubles. The new temporary procedure applies to payments exceeding 10 million rubles per month, Or a similar amount in foreign currency. So they're looking to pay them in rubles, and the West is talking about them being sanctioned to death. I don't know what's going on here, guys. Okay, what is this all about? Okay, we're gonna talk about Kharkiv, guys. We're starting to wind it down now. We're starting to wind it down, guys. We're almost to the end. We're almost to the finish point. Thanks again for hanging out, guys. Hey, Sonia, what's up? Good to see you in the audience tonight, sweetie. Now, we got, uh, we got this whole talk about the... new. Nu- so, we talked about the biolabs and some theory or hypothesis there to be, uh, to be academically accurate, Mr. Two Rivers. But um, when we're talking about this, is about... this is about the nuclear sites. So, now, what, what, what did we say earlier about this stuff? We said that um, it would not make sense for Russia to go in there and bomb these sites, right? It would make sense for them to seize the sites... To ensure that the bad actors or the Nazis or the globalist interests in Ukraine don 't hold the world hostage uh, with a nuclear reactor, like oh, if you keep uh, getting rid of all of our um, of all of our equipment and our resources here in ukraine russia we're we 're going to blow up this nuclear reactor and we 're going to blame it on you right, or oh we 're going to blow up this biolab and release another plague upon humanity we 're going to blame it on you, Russia and that type of false flag is very very much within the globalist playbooks. We could see it happening, right? We could definitely see it happening. So, a few days ago we had a we had a nuclear reactor, a nuclear uh, site in Kharkiv that was under question. Now, we're going to read a couple of articles for different viewpoints, but here's what here's what Russia had to say about this situation, okay? very dangerous situation all right now according to a russian article it says ukrainian military to blow up experimental nuclear reactor at kharkov institute the russian defense ministry says now it says the russian defense ministry noted that on march 6th that was like a day or two ago foreign journalists arrived in kharkov to register the consequences of the provocation followed by accusing russia of creating an environmental disaster so you see you have the western media going over there to wrap up smear campaign on something that the uh globalist forces are doing over there now that's according to this article it says here the ukrainian security forces and the nationalist azov battalion are planning to blow up a reactor at the National Research Center of the Kharkov Institute of Physics and Technology and accuse the Russian armed forces of launching projectiles at an experimental nuclear reactor, says Russia's defense ministry on Monday. Security forces of Ukraine, along with the militants of the Azov Battalion, are plotting a provocation with possible radioactive contamination of the area near the city of Kharkov. Nationalists mined a reactor at an experimental nuclear system located at the National Research Center of Kharkiv Institute of Physics and Technology. The Ukrainian military and the Azov Battalion militants are planning to blow up the reactor and accuse the Russian armed forces of allegedly launching a missile strike on an experimental nuclear system, the statement says. The Russian Defense Ministry noted that on March 6th, foreign journalists arrived in Kharkiv to register the consequences of the provocation, followed by accusing Russia of creating an environmental disaster. Okay, very interesting, guys. So let's see what the West is saying. Oh, I think this is from Gateway Pundit. Oh, no, no, no. This is from World Today News. Okay, I think this one's kind of a neutral type of article. Okay. It says, after Russia's attack, Fire in Europe's largest nuclear power plant. Well, they're already blaming it as uh, so Russia's being attacking them. Okay. Well, I mean, which uh, technically, yes, they did. It's a military operation. Okay. So it says here, according to Ukrainian sources, now this is from Ukraine's side, Russia has attacked the country's largest nuclear power plant. As a result of the fighting, a fire broke out on the site. However, according to initial information, radioactive radiation should not have escaped. Okay. After continued attacks on the major cities of Kharkiv, Moropol, and Kiev, the Russian army attacked the country's power supply overnight. Local authorities reported early in the morning skirmishes with Russian soldiers near Europe's largest nuclear power plant, Zaporizhia. Ukraine gets around a quarter of its energy from there. The fire was not in the reactor blocks of the nuclear power plant, but on the site, Demian von Austin, ARD Moscow, said. Now, Morning Magazine, March 4th, 2022, local officials reported bombing raids on the nuclear facility and the nuclear power plant was being fired upon with heavy artillery. A block of the power plant was hit and there was a fire in the plant, said the spokesman for the nuclear power plant, Andrea Tuz, in a video published on Telegram. Although the reactor that was hit is being renovated and is not in operation, it does contain nuclear fuel. "'Firefighters could not approach the fire because they would be shot at. "'We demand that they, the troops, stop firing heavy weapons,' Tuss said. "'There is a real threat to the largest nuclear power plant in Europe. "'Probably no leakage of radiation.' Apparently, radioactive radiation has not yet escaped from the facility. The International Atomic Energy Agency, IAEA, reported on Twitter early in the morning that Ukraine's Nuclear Supervisory Authority had announced that no change in radiation levels had been reported at the site of the nuclear power plant. As recently as Thursday, the IAEA expressed grave concern that the fighting could inadvertently damage Ukraine's 15 nuclear reactors according to US Secretary of Energy Jennifer Granholm the power plants reactors are now safely shut down there are no elevated levels of radiation near the facility Granholm wrote on Twitter the reactors are secured by a robust protective cover so they have demand for nato support so this is about i guess a different second uh different reactor in there um okay not the not the experimental one that we just read about but we'll get to that one in just a sec guys um Ukrainian Energy Minister Herman Holoshenko called on NATO to intervene. In view of the attack on the nuclear power plant, not only a professional assessment of the events is required, but real intervention with the toughest measures, including by NATO and the countries that have nuclear weapons, Holoshenko wrote on Facebook. Ukrainian Foreign Minister Dmitry Kuleva called for the attacks to stop immediately. If it explodes, it will be 10 times bigger than Chernobyl. Russians must stop firing immediately. Of course, that's, uh, that's what they're going to say. Okay. Um, information on the course of the war, shelling and casualties provided by official bodies of the Russian and Ukrainian conflict parties cannot be directly checked by an independent body in the current situation. Okay. Let's skip through that. Attacks on major Ukrainian cities. Okay. Let me uh, actually, I want to see the non-immersed reader because I think I'm missing some information here. Uh, Biden warns London wants Security Council meeting. Uh, Let's see. Illegitimate Joe also called on Russia to end its military activities. Okay, Uh, whatever, Joe. I mean, come on, really? You think he's going to listen to you? Okay, attacks on major Ukrainian cities. Just hours earlier, the Russian army had once again explained its offensive against major Ukrainian cities. During Russian attacks on the eastern Ukrainian city of over a million inhabitants Kharkiv at least 34 civilians were killed in and around the area on Wednesday and Thursday according to local authorities 285 people were also injured including 10 children according to regional civil protection the information cannot be independently verified okay that's the problem with all of this Kharkiv the country's second largest city lies near the border of Russia with Russia it's been the target of Russian attacks since the beginning of the war. Now I would say, <clears throat> if Russia's been there for two weeks now about and they're really going to like uh, go in and attack uh, how come there are not more deaths after two weeks of shelling and all this stuff, how come there not more, how come we don't have captured people? I just it doesn't make sense. In Kiev, there were several heavy explosions on Thursday night. Air alarm was triggered, as reported, by the uh, union agency. Kiev Kiev Mayor Vitaly Klitschko wrote on Telegram, the enemy is trying to break through into the capital. According to the Ukrainian general staff, Russian troops were stationed north and northwest of Kiev, 20 to 30 kilometers from the city, and set up camps, according to international observers. The Russian military convoy is progressing much more slowly than Moscow had planned. And how do, I mean, this is an enemy paper, so how do they know that? How do they know that the Russian military convoy is progressing much slower than Moscow had planned? Okay, how do they know that? Because they don't understand why Russia didn't blitzkrieg the heck out of them and just go in there and bomb and destroy everything and take everyone and kill everyone. See, they have to use this kind of stuff, these kind of like uh, turns of phrases. or They have to use this stuff because... If Russia was really going in there to take over and occupy and destroy Ukraine and all that stuff, they would have done it. But they're not doing it. They're 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 doing a, a military operation, and the only way they can explain that is by saying that the progress is slower than what they had planned, and they don't even know that. Where are we going? Take me back. Take me back. Sorry, guys. I accidentally hit a link, an embedded link. Oh, is this a brand new page? It's a brand new page. Okay, back to uh, back to this article. Anyways, okay, let's get through this. The southern U- Ukrainian city, uh, port city of Mariupol, with around 440,000 inhabitants, according to local authorities, is without water, heating, and electricity. With after air raids, the strategically important city is now apparently surrounded. Ukrainian nuclear power plant is apparently being fired at with heavy artillery. Okay. Meanwhile, detailed situation in southern area capital Cherson not clear. Detailed situation is in southern area capital Cherson not clear. The Ukrainian army has apparently abandoned the city. We have no Ukrainian armed forces in the city, only peaceful residents who want to live here. Mayor Ihor Kolyachayev wrote on the night Russian occupiers are in all parts of the southern port city of Cherson. Someone go get on a live cam for Chersin, Cherson, C H E R S O N, and let's see if we see Russian forces occupiers. Uh, the local authority said Cherson would uh, be the first major uh, Ukrainian city under new Russian control. Okay, so Cherson or Cherson, K H E R S O N or C H E R S O N. Okay, thirty-three dead in Russian airstrikes in Chernihiv in a russian attack on a residential area, on residential areas in the city of Chernihiv, according to ukrainian sources 33 people were killed in northern ukraine. The city's emergency service said 18 people, 18 other people were injured. There had previously been talk of 22 fatalities. According to the information, two schools and a high-rise apartment building were hit in the attack. The deputy major the deputy mayor of Chernihiv, Regina Gusak told the AFP news agency that Chernihiv, 120 kilometers from Kiev, had become the target of a Russian bombing raid. Uh, Governor Vyachilev Chaus had previously spoken of a Russian airstrike in which two schools in the Staraya Pudus- Puduska district and residential buildings were hit. Chernihiv and the region of the same name are located northeast of the capital of Kiev. Okay. All right. And then that says OSC wants to investigate possible war crimes of the Nazis. Maybe. Okay, so uh, this one I think will take us back to. We'll take us back to that uh, n- uh, nuclear reactor at Kharkov Institute, the experimental one. So this is from Republic World. The Russian military of defense on Monday accused Kiev of preparing for provocation using potential radioactive contamination of area near Kharkov. So uh, let's see if this is not uh, exact same information. Uh, while the war between Russia and Ukraine has escalated into its 12th day, the Russian ministry of defense has accused Kiev of preparing a provocation using potential radioactive contamination in an area near Kharkov in eastern Ukraine. Okay. As per the Russian authorities, Ukrainian nationalists have mined nuclear reactor and experimental facility at the Kharkiv Institute of Physics and Technology, which will possibly be blown up by security service by the security service of Ukraine, along with Azov neo-Nazi militants in an attempt to blame Russia military of missile attacks. Toss a Russian news agency reported. So that's what we read. So we already know about all this. We we read that already. Now it says here, the fresh set of accusations came after Russia held Kiev accountable for allegedly attempted provocation at Zaporizhia nuclear power plant in southern Ukraine on Friday. So this is already something that we've seen happening in Ukraine. It's not being reported, guys, apparently, but uh, apparently Zaporizhia nuclear power plant had the same situation happening there, where Russia is saying that Kiev or elements in Kiev are trying to blow up a nuclear power plant. And this is kind of the game plan that we've talked about since this started. Okay. Moscow emphasized that the fire in a building erupted after rampant gunshots exchanged by the Ukrainian sabotage unit. As per Sputnik, the saboteurs targeted a group of Russian soldiers patrolling an area close to the station. A counter shootout forces the Ukrainian sabotage unit to retreat, setting the building on fire. The fire was later put out and the radiation level was ascertained to be at normal levels. The physical and nuclear safety of the plant is reliably protected, the Kremlin said, as cited by Sputnik. On Sunday, Russian President Vladimir Putin, during his call with French counterpart Emmanuel Macron de Cabron, also confirmed that both Russian militaries have continued to ensure normal operations of the NPP with Ukrainian security units and personnel. It is to note that the Chernobyl nuclear site is also under the control of Russian forces after they invaded and annexed and annexed the power plant site on February 25th. According to Russia, the forces are stationed at the site to prevent Ukrainian radicals from conducting sabotage at the radioactive facility. All of this is being done to rule out the prospect of Ukrainian neo Nazis or terrorists staging provocations with potentially disastrous results, Russia's military of defense said. Okay. The long-standing Russia and Ukraine conflict transpired into a full-blown war after Russian President Vladimir Putin said he's going in to demilitarize and denazify the ex-Soviet state. Okay, so there you go, guys. All right. I think I'm satisfied with that, ladies and gentlemen. I think I'm satisfied with that. Republic world, I thought it was going to be a biased um, type of letter, but it, it's sharing the side of another side of the story. So, okay. Now here's going to be one that is totally biased guys. I guarantee it. The Atlantic Council, one of the most progressive think tanks, lefty, liberal, libtard type of, uh, things. Now don't forget Atlantic Council guys. You've got some pretty heavy hitters that are participating with this group. They write this, to decipher Putin's nuclear threats, watch what he does, not what he says. Now, let the record reflect, you get a lot of talking points for the left and the West media out of the Atlantic Council. These guys pump out all of this talk, all these talking points, right? So that uh, the West and the media can use them in their, their you know, uh, down their little uh, uh, path of communications and stuff like that. So let's see what these guys have to say. And I wouldn't be surprised if we start seeing some of these talking points coming out in the media relatively soon. Okay. Now that Russian president Vladimir Putin has ordered his country's nuclear forces on high alert for the first time since the end of the cold war, this is a time for vigilance. No signs yet suggest the bulk of Russian nuclear forces actually are on high alert as part of Moscow's special regime of combat duty. But what's clear is that Putin's televised order last week was designed to tell the United States, NATO, and the West to desist from supporting Ukraine or risk unimaginable consequences. While Washington and its allies have been right to avoid overreaction so far, Putin will likely continue his nuclear saber-rattling, and there is still a risk that he would use nuclear forces in Ukraine. Although the announcement was an alarming development, it was also foreseeable. Nuclear signaling is a key part of Russia's military strategy and its self image as a world power. That the Kremlin is now showing signs of implementing its so called escalate to de escalate strategy should come as no surprise to those familiar with Russian doctrine. The West must recognize this for what it is a form of blackmail, nuclear blackmail to which the United States and its allies should not capitulate. For years, Moscow has made nuclear weapons a centerpiece of its military doctrine. In the event of a major war, the Russian Federation has signaled its willingness to threaten a de-escalatory nuclear attack to achieve its objectives. To that end, Putin has made it clear during crisis that he might threaten or, in extreme cases, execute an early non-strategic nuclear strike hoping to end the confrontation on terms favorable to the Kremlin. Unlike the United States, Russia has signaled willingness to take this step, even if the crisis is of its own making. At the heart of the strategy strategy is Russia's arsenal of tactical, battlefield-ready nuclear warheads. Even more concerning, these Russian weapons outnumbered the United States' arsenal of similar weapons by a magnitude of almost 10 to 1. So, what are you getting from this? These guys are trying to paint Putin in a certain way they 're saying he 's a loose cannon he 's wild card he's he 's off the hook he 's just going to blow something up without even a strategy to it just to you know make it make it favorable for the Kremlin so what they 're doing here is they are adding more rhetoric and more animus against putin they're They are saber rattling themselves in this article and they are putting more propaganda and radical fear. Into the minds of all of the academics who are going to be reading this, into the minds of all of the uh, pundits who, if they can actually parse this far through an article, will be like, "Yeah, yeah." So what this is is it's just adding to them. It's adding to their their um, mythos, if you will. Uh, that all of everything that we just read, as well worded as it is, is just to add to that animus and that rhetoric. Uh, let's see here. So then, they're going to go and talk about the invasion and illegal annexation, the referendum, at- Atlantic Council. You know, I don't even if I want to spend my time. You know, I don't know if I want to waste my time on this. Honestly, guys, game of chicken. It's just look at incendiary rhetoric. That's all this is. Okay. Okay. Yeah, we're not going to waste our time. Atlantic Council, guys, progressive think tank. This is where everyone gets their talking points from. <laughs> So, uh, yeah, not, not not too excited about that, guys. Not excited at all. All right, let's see where we're going from here. We're almost done, y'all. We're winding it down. I know I keep saying that, right? Um, what do we got for... Whoa, where'd that come from? Okay. Aha, uh-huh. okay. Now, someone had mentioned um, Erdogan and uh, Turkey, uh, I think on a past broadcast uh where do they where does where do they stand where does erdogan where does turkey stand when we're talking about putin russia ukraine so we found an article about it and in fact i think this is actually a russian article if i'm not mistaken yep from sputnik putin tells erdogan halt in russia's ukraine operation possible if kiev stops fighting implements demands so Russia does not want Turkey involved. So why would he want Syria involved? Uh, Apparently, according to this article. Let's see what it says. I want to say we got maybe two more articles, maybe. Um, Let's see here. Russia's military operation in Ukraine to defend the Donbass will be suspended only if Ukrainian forces cease hostilities and agree to implement Moscow's demand on demilitarization. President Vladimir Putin has told his Turkish counterpart, Recap... Uh, Recep, uh, Tayyip Erdogan. the readiness of the russian side for dialogue with ukrainian authorities and with foreign partners to resolve the conflict was confirmed the kremlin said in a readout sunday hope was expressed that during the planned next round of talks representatives of ukraine will show a more constructive approach that fully takes into account emerging realities the statement added Putin was said to have drawn Erdogan's attention to the futility of efforts by Kiev to stall the negotiations process and to have emphasized that the suspensions of the special operation is possible only if Kiev ceases hostilities and fulfills Russia's well-known requirements. An example, the so-called demilitarization and denazification of Ukraine and justice against those responsible for bloody crimes against civilians in the Donbass over the past eight years As Putin has previously characterized them. Putin also told his Turkish counterpart that Russian forces were doing everything possible to ensure the safety of civilians, with Russia's pinpoint strikes said to be inflicted exclusively on military infrastructure. Erdogan was informed of the operations of nationalist and neo Nazi formations, including the continued shelling of Donbass settlements and the use of Ukrainian civilians and foreigners. As human shields in the cities and towns they control. Putin assured Erdogan that Russia would assist assist measures to evacuate Turkish nationals from areas where fighting is taking place. In its own statement Sunday, the Turkish presidency said that Erdogan informed Putin of Turkey's continued readiness to contribute to a peaceful resolution of the Ukraine crisis. Erdogan urged for an urgent general ceasefire to be implemented, saying this would ease the humanitarian situation. Turkey has presented itself as a possible mediator in the Ukraine crisis, citing its good relations with both Kiev and Moscow. At the same time, Ankara has closed the Bosphorus and Dardanelles Straits to warships of all states, including Russia and continued the shipment of its uh, Bayraktar drones to Ukraine. Oh, so uh, Turkey is giving drones to Ukraine. Okay. The current cataclysm in Ukraine is the culmination of a security crisis which began in 2014 when the country's unpopular but democratically elected government was overthrown in a Western-backed coup and replaced by forces seeking to pull Kiev into the European Union and NATO. The coup prompted Crimea to break off from Ukraine and rejoin Russia. In eastern Ukraine, independence movements popped up, prompting Kiev to send troops to crush the resistance and sparking a years-long civil conflict. A Russian, French, and German-backed effort to end the conflict via the the 2015 Minsk agreements failed to bear fruit, with successive governments in Kiev refusing to provide the Donbass with constitutionally mandated autonomy in exchange for its peaceful reintegration into Ukraine. Russia began a large-scale military operation in Ukraine on 24 February after a formal request for assistance from the Donetsk and Luhansk People's Republic, which faced weeks of escalating Ukrainian attacks, including hundreds of violations of the ceasefire by both sides recorded by Organizations for Security Cooperation in Europe observers. Moscow recognized the Republic's as independent states on 21 February. Interesting article. Whoa, lordy. (laughs) Sorry, guys. I forgot that one was sneaking in there too. Uh, Okay, so real quick. I mean, that's what's the situation. So apparently Turkey's trying to be a peacemaker here or a mediator. Able to talk with Putin. Putin's telling him, hey, there's Nazis. At the same time, they're friendly with both Kiev and Ukraine. Go figure. Okay. Now, why do we got this woke joke on the screen, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, Because according to Russia, this woke joke was recently in Ukraine. Okay. So this woke joke was recently in Ukraine because he likes to tell all his enemies about when he's going to strike them. That's that is Victoria Mark Milley. Okay. Now, it says here, Joint Chiefs Chairman secretly visited weapons shipment hub near Ukrainian border. Okay, what is this woke joke doing over there in Ukraine? Okay, what is he doing over there? Victoria? For those of you who are new to this broadcast, we call him Victoria Mark Milley. The woke joke general of uh, the Pentagon Joint Chiefs of Staff. Let's just see. We're we're wrapping this up, guys. Don't worry. This is about done. The United States and its allies have pumped over three billion dollars in arms into Ukraine since two thousand fourteen, uh, since the two thousand fourteen Maidan coup, and committed to send over eight hundred and fifty million dollars more in military aid last late last month after Russia began a military operation in the country aimed at demilitarizing the regime in Kiev. Joint Chiefs of Staff Chairman Victoria Mark Milley made an unannounced visit to an undisclosed airfield near the border with Ukraine last week, a senior Pentagon official told CNN. The airfield was said to have been turned into a major hub for the shipment of NATO weaponry into Ukraine, with Milley said to have toured the facility, acquainted himself with the weapons transfer operation, and met with troops. The country where the base is situated situated was not specified. The outlet source said the shipments have not yet been targeted by the Russian military upon entering Ukraine, but expressed fears that this may happen in the future. U.S. European Command is responsible for coordinating the weapons transfer and is working with other countries, including the United Kingdom, to ensure that we are using our resources to maximize efficiency to support the Ukrainians in an organized way, a second source said. The Biden regime has already delivered about $240 million of its promised $350 million in additional military equipment to Ukraine, with the rest expected to arrive in the upcoming days or weeks at the latest. The European Union promised to commit nearly 500 million euros for its own military aid package, in all, 14 countries have now sent or committed to send arms to the Eastern European country. US and NATO military shipments to Ukraine have included Javelin anti-tank missiles, Stingerman portable air defense systems, Turkish uh, Bayrector drones, small arms and ammunitions, howitzers, armored vehicles, protective equipment, and fuel. Some of this equipment has already been seized by Russian and Donbass Republic, Republic forces during their advance. In addition to the weapons, Kiev has also received hundreds of millions of dollars in cash and set about recruiting a foreign legion of paid mercenaries. See, they're doing it too, apparently. Well, we already knew they were doing it. I don't know why I said apparently. Reportedly offering up to $2,000 a day or $60,000 a month for their services. Nearly 20,000 people have already expressed interest in Ukrainian Foreign Minister De, um, Dmitry said, So how do you guys like that? Our taxpayer money is going to Ukraine to pay mercenaries $2,000 to fight. Again, I never said that I wanted my money to go to that. Did any of you guys vouch for that? Not me. On Sunday, Russia's Foreign Intelligence Service accused the U.S. and the U.K. of turning Polish territory into a logistical hub used to supply weapons and smuggle fighters. To Ukraine, including terrorist militants redeployed from Ant TAMF, the US controlled base in Syria. Oh, oh, so who's who's seeking people from Syria? Putin seeking people from Syria? When clearly the United States and the UK are doing this? God, do you see the level of projection there, guys? The Pentagon says. That Russia is seeking foreign fighters from Syria to join the cause. When the U.S. controlled base in Syria is already deploying Ant-TAF terrorist militants into Ukraine from Syria. Isn't that something, guys? Isn't that something? Huh. Masters of Projection. And therefore, your, your eyes to see once more, guys. Victoria, Mark Milley. Okay, we're going to have to skip this one, guys, because it's getting late here. It's already time for my bedtime. Okay, this was just your red pill moment. Okay, maybe we, okay, it's the last article. Okay, it's the last article. Your red pill moment here at the Sea Report in regard to Russia and Ukraine. Now, this is from Wayne Root. Guys, I know a lot of you all know who Wayne Root is. He wrote up this red pill moment, okay, about Russia and Ukraine. We've already had several red pill moments here with Russia and Ukraine, but let's see what the the good patriot has to say as we close out tonight's C-Report. Thank you all again for hanging out with us on this uh, Monday, Tuesday evening, morning. All right. It's time for your red pill moment. Something smells rotten in Ukraine. The story is rotten, rancid, hinky. The story just does not add up. Biden and the media desperately want you to believe Russia is the bad guy and Ukraine is a little angel. They want you to fall in love with the underdog Ukraine. They want you to support America getting involved on behalf of Ukraine. To get your support, they need the media to sell you a bill of goods, but it just does not add up. First, illegitimate Joe is the one who funded Russia's invasion. Biden killed our pipelines, killed coal, banned drilling, which made us dependent on Russian oil, which made Russia filthy rich and arrogant. Biden paid for this war. Second, if Putin is the bad guy, if Russia is evil, why is Biden continuing to buy billions of dollars of oil from Russia every day? Does this make sense? Unless it's pure commie theater. Follow the dots. Biden is feeble, feckless, old puppet with dementia. George Soros pulls Biden's strings. Soros is on the side of Ukraine. Soros recently said the whole world must support Ukraine. It turns out Soros funded Zelensky and then installed him as a president of Ukraine. One of the most corrupt nations on the earth. And I told you we had stuff about Zelensky coming out, guys. So, you better believe my mind has changed about Zelensky. And you guys know that I was friendly towards Zelensky from the beginning. Alright? So, it just goes to show. As new information comes out, we have that ability to use our uh, better judgment and act on it. Now... Keep in mind, even billionaire Soros is obsessed with hatred for America. He desperately wants to destroy our country. Soros has funded the invasion of our borders. He helps pay for illegal aliens, many of them criminals such as MS-13 gangbangers and murderers, to enter into America. Soros also funded and elected all the horrible communist district attorneys across America. Soros' district attorneys are hell-bent on destroying America. They have turned our big cities into killing zones where murderers run free without even posting bail while while law-abiding citizens are stripped of guns and persecuted for defending themselves. Soros has paid for the destruction of America. Soros is one of the most evil enemies in our history. If Soros funded the leaders of Ukraine and put them in power, this has to be a trap. Ukraine must be a bad guy. Now we come to the mainstream, fake news, legacy, mockingbird, propaganda, pedophile media. Has the media ever told the truth in the seven years since Trump came down that escalator? It's been nonstop lies, fraud, and propaganda. The media tells you any lie that advances the causes of Democrats, Soros, and the destruction of America. Now, after seven years of lies and propaganda, suddenly you trust the media? Suddenly, you don't trust yourself? Come on, patriots. Anyways, that's me. That's not Wayne Root. But I'm just saying, there's no need to be confused. If you follow your gut and you follow your heart and you follow the things that you already know to be true, which is the media lies, just because it's on the other side of the world doesn't mean that we have to suddenly lose our confidence in our instincts, y'all. So for all you fence sitters out there, I hope this is reaching you somewhere. I hope it's reaching you somewhere deep, okay? Because Wayne Root's saying what I've been saying far more eloquently than I could ever say it, but I've been saying it. I've been saying exactly this, guys. Now, you believe this one time they're telling the truth, this one time they have America's best interests at heart, even though, pure coincidence, Soros is on the same side as the media. They're all one big family on the side of Ukraine. I tell what I think. Oh, well, so do I, Wayne Root. One, I think this war is a WMD, a weapon of mass distraction to get your mind off the disaster Biden has created at home. Open borders, massive inflation, vaccine mandates crippling the economy, the worst crime wave in history, the worst retreat in U.S. military history in Afghanistan and $6 per gallon gas. Two, this is pure wag the dog theater to save Biden from the worst polls in modern history. Instead of hating Biden, they want you to hate Putin. Three, this is all part of George Soros and Klaus Schwab's great reset. They want to make us all obedient serfs and slaves. They need World War III as a distraction while they destroy America capitalism and take your freedoms away here's my final conclusion i'm not for russia i'll never be a fan of putin he's only for he's out only for himself and a new dominant russian empire i'm not telling you to take russia's side they are bad guys but i know if soros is behind ukraine then ukraine is also a bad guy if soros wants us involved i know this war is not in america's best interest I know the media is feeding us a load of lies and propaganda under Soros' direction. Like President Trump, I have only one dog in this hunt. I'm only for America first. This war is BS. It does not involve us. We should not be sending billions of dollars in aid or sending billions in military weapons to Ukraine. I don't want this to turn into World War III. I don't want my kids or your kids dying over Ukraine. We need to stay a million miles away from this conflict. This is not a war. It's commie theater. It's a weapon of mass distraction. Don't believe a thing you read or see coming from the fake news media. Take your red pill and just say no to this wag the dog moment. And that ladies and gentlemen is the conclusion of one Mr. Wayne Allen root. And that ladies and gentlemen is the conclusion of our show tonight. Thank you all again for joining us late night this Monday evening and uh well i mean ladies and gentlemen i'm sure we'll do it again sometime but hopefully not this late okay and uh we'll be back again tomorrow as it were here at the c report over at mr CTV and and mr c channel thank you again for joining us if you're with us over at twitch have a great evening if you're over there with us at Clout hub or rumble thank you again don't forget to follow or subscribe and share the links to this show don't forget to look for us also over at truth social as soon as we are up and at them, hopefully within the next day or so, hopefully this uh, March 9th rumor is true. And uh, we, all get, uh, we all get our true social accounts. So yeah, I think we're at Mr. CTV or at the C Report, one or the other. Uh, but we got it, if I'm not mistaken, MRC TV. And uh, again, to my friends and family over at the Foxhole app and at Pill.net, thank you for hanging out with us tonight. Thank you for keeping the chats rolling. You guys are awesome. And uh, we'll be back again tomorrow. So with that said, ladies and gentlemen, as always, be safe, be blessed, and God bless America. We will see you tomorrow. Have a great night, y'all.